is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There's, there's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Tyler Harrison. Tyler Harrison. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome, 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 welcome to a new show of the Sports Lab Mouth. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. There is no Tyler in the studios because he's not 100%. We haven't been 100% for about a week. Actually, I've been, I haven't been 100% in almost 12 days. Speedy, how are you doing? Good to be back. It was definitely a bizarre, bizarre circumstance. We were both sick at the same time. I mean, it was it was a tough one. It was a brutal stretch. Both of us were isolated for a while. It was it was it was it was tough. Nothing like I ever did before. But it's great to be back. Well, I, I will say this: anybody that's had COVID nineteen, please take care of yourself. Get the vaccine. I was against the vaccination, but after what I was dealing with for the last twelve days. I don't wish it upon anybody. I was sick as a dog. Everybody knows I had hip surgery, so I wasn't even at 100%. My, my limbs were hurt. Everything was bothering. I, I couldn't keep anything in. I couldn't eat anything. I have no smell still. I have no taste. I, I just, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I don't wish it upon anybody. And I'm just happy that we're back. We did the 103.9 show on the FM dial. Uh, I know a lot of people enjoyed the show. I was deathly sick doing the show. Uh, but we, Speedy was over there in Connecticut. Uh-huh. I was... I was here in Long Island. Now we're both in the studio, so we're both together. Tyler will hopefully be back tomorrow if he gets a negative uh, COVID um, test test or whatever the hell it is. So, But we're, we have a great show lined up for you. In just a few moments, we'll be talking to award-winning SB Nation NFL and college football writer Jason, Jason Hirschhorn. We're going to be talking to him. And then at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. I know Russell personally. Mm-hmm. Fun guy, knows what he's talking about when football. But, uh, again, we we have so much lined up today, so much to get in. The Yankees get eliminated yesterday. What do the Yankees do in the offseason with Aaron Boone? Are they going to move in and, and try to maneuver this offense and, and maybe fix this bullpen and add maybe to this pitching staff? So there's a lot to talk about with the Yankees. The Knicks had their first preseason game. Speedy didn't ever, even get a chance to watch it. The Knicks no. looked Really, really good yesterday. So we'll get into the New York Knicks and the NBA and the whole Kyrie Irving saga. Not surprised Kyrie Irving is the guy that's stabbing people in the back. <laughs> and, and Kevin Durant, it's, it's hilarious what Kevin Durant is saying. So uh, both guys are like comic relief. But we'll get into them <laughs> a little bit later as well. Uh, we will get into the Jets and the Giants getting their first win of the season. Why am I surprised about that? But uh, the Jets looked really, really good defensively, offensively. Um, it's not no thanks to Mike LaFleur uh, what the Jets offense was, but uh, Zach Wilson looked like he can make some deep throws. Hopefully he can get a little bit more excited as a Jet fan uh, when this offense starts to click. Maybe this actually looks like an NFL offense. And, and Saquon Barkley shows up in overtime and, and puts on a show in overtime and helps the uh, – 
New York Giants win their first game of the season against the Saints. The boring Saints, okay? I, I, I don't think it's anything with Drew Brees anymore. And Drew, uh, Drew is so funny. And, and before we get to our guest, we'll get, our, get to our guest in just one second. Drew Brees on Sunday Night Football. Standing there and kissing Tom Brady's ass, okay? It was one to remember, okay? Drew Brees, who I've never looked at him as an ass kisser. Well, after that on Sunday Night Football, and by the way, that was a horrible Sunday Night Football game. It was boring, terrible. Uh, weather slop, I call it. Terrible. <laughs> it was boring as hell. And, and for a Sunday Night Football game to watch Tom Brady play against the Patriots. And, and by the way, Steph, we'll get into the whole Stephon Gilmore trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting for the Carolina Panthers. It does make them a lot better. Uh, there's just so much to talk about. But our first guest of the day, Speedy was telling me a little bit about him. I read a little bit about him. We are now talking to award-winning SB Nation NFL and college football writer Jason Hershon. What's going on, Jason? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How's it going? Uh, well, we're getting over COVID. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm breathing. I'm actually getting some kind of taste. That I had to get a Slurpee, okay, because it, I needed something sour, and I need to get some kind of taste back. And this is like a nerdy, sour taste, so I'm trying to slowly ease my taste back in. But... I'm feeling a little bit better. I have a little bit more energy. Hopefully, I last this three-hour show, but we're very happy to have you on. How are you feeling? Uh, how's everything going over there where you are? Well, I am fortunate to not have COVID, and I'm <laughs> happy that you have made, at least thus far, a pretty speedy recovery. It's, it's not fun. I have plenty of friends who have gotten it, and even the best-case scenarios are still nothing close to ideal. Oh, my God. I, I wanted to kill myself. I actually wanted to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. I had the opportunity the other day, but I didn't. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I was telling Speedy. I, I, Speedy actually had the vaccination, so he didn't have it as bad as me. But all three of us got it, and we both, uh, me and Tyler had it at the worst point, but I, I think I had it the worst. So I had every symptom but the sore throat. It was horrible. But let's get into some sports with you. Uh, what is your thoughts right now early in the NFL season? First with the New York sports, what are your thoughts with Zach Wilson and the growth of what we've seen so far in the, in the first four weeks? And then Daniel Jones. This is, his, this is his third full season, and a lot of Giant fans are ready to throw him under the bus and run him over with a bus. What are your thoughts with Daniel Jones? Well, actually, I'll start with Zach Wilson and more globally that Jets offense. You had mentioned earlier or at the top that Mike LaFleur, the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, hasn't hit the ground running as the offensive coordinator and play caller. And to a certain degree, I don't think that's surprising. And I don't think that's necessarily even a commentary on Mike LaFleur. Because if you look at a lot of those offensive coaches that are running some variation of the Kyle Shanahan offense, it usually takes a while to get going. Even with fully veteran quarterbacks, you look at Matt Ryan, when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there in 2015, it was slow going. And then in 2016, it exploded. You look at Green Bay. In 2019, it was a pretty efficient offense, but it wasn't decidedly better than that last season with Mike McCarthy. And then in 2020, it becomes the best offense in the NFL statistically. So you see a lot of those jumps in that second year, because even though that offense is not super complicated, you know, it's, it's not they're running, you know, 
25 different play concepts. It's shorter than that. There are different formations. They'll have motions that go along with it, but it's getting a lot of reps. And more importantly, those live reps in that offense that really pushes it to the next level. So while the Jets and Zach Wilson have over the course of the first four games of the season, not looked super great. Obviously Zach Wilson looked a little better this past weekend. I think as you get closer to the end of the season and more importantly, next season, that's where you're going to see that jump. And it's not just because Zach Wilson will get more experience in the NFL full stop. It's because that's where that offensive line is going to get a bit, are going to be better blocking for that outside zone. It's a very big component of that offense. So you're going to be able to run more effectively those deep shots off a of play action off those wide zone runs. And then when all those things come together, when you marry the pass and the run, which again, those offenses have done a really good job of across the NFL. That's when I think you're going to see that offense really become really reach that full potential. So regarding Daniel Jones, I think Daniel Jones definitely had two great games so far that you look at this season. Even his third game, even though they lost, and he wasn't great statistically against the Falcons, he was very good. Now, what do you think of his projections for the rest of the year? Like, What do you think of him as a quarterback as a whole, both statistically and skill-wise, too? And if he does have a good season, like this current pace with the Giants, do you think they'll pay him? And if so, what do you think his value is? Well, it is very hard to judge Daniel Jones, not just because it's only been four weeks of the season, but because I don't know that his offense is actually doing that much to help him. If you look at what most of the best offenses in the NFL do, it's a lot of play action, it's a lot of pre-snap motion, because those things really force the defense to commit or force the defense into awkward positions at the snap. The Giants do not do a lot of that. They're close to the bottom of the league in both metrics, but... That offense, in terms of efficiency, has actually come close to like the middle of the league. I think that speaks in part to what Daniel Jones has done so far this season. I think he speaks in part some of those new components that are on the offense. You know, Kenny Galladay just got there. They've added some pieces along the offensive line. I know there's been injuries, too, and they're adapting to those on the fly. But the offense, I feel like, because of the players, has elevated, but not because of the scheme. And that's where we get into that big Jason Garrett question, because (laughs) the coaching staff, Joe Judge in particular, has talked about how, you know, they're running a lot of the same concepts that the rest of the NFL does. It's not that different. And I have a hard time with that assessment because, you know, go look at the Arizona Cardinals, for example. That offense looks very different than what the Rams are doing. The Rams look very different than what the Giants are doing. We can, you know, go team to team and we can see a lot of differences so you know you could if you're a coach and say oh yeah we're running you know the Yankee concept and that's something that a lot of other teams do and that might be true but it's how you're stacking those plays together how you are confusing the defense in terms of your play calls in terms of your play action those are the ways in which offenses can differentiate themselves and the Giants haven't really done that so when you come to Daniel Jones knowing that he's not getting that lift from the scheme And he has been more efficient this season. He's made fewer mistakes. You know, turnovers have been such a big problem for him over the first few years of his career. And at least thus far, that's been less of a problem for him. Now, you want to see that, obviously, over a longer period of time. You know, four games is not an adequate sample size. He could look great for a few weeks. And then, you know, over the next four, maybe look like he did in 2020 and 2019. But I do think we've seen some of that progression. I don't know if that's going to be enough to convince the Giants to extend him simply because we don't know who's going to be making that decision for the Giants. If that team doesn't make the playoffs, we do not know if Gettleman is going to be the general manager come 2022. And if he's not the general manager, 
you know, Joe Judge could be the head coach. They might not make some massive overall on the staff, but we don't know that either. It may come to be that the next general manager, if it's someone besides Gittleman in 2022, decides to just play it out another year and push those decisions off a little longer. And if that's the case, you know, there's just so much more that we need to see over the course of the next 18 months. We are talking to award-winning SB Nation NFL and college football writer Jason Hershorn. Now, uh, Jason, when we talked, you were just talking about the Rams um, and obviously the Arizona Cardinals, the the growth of Kyler Murray, and obviously now Matthew Stafford taking over over there uh, with the L.A. Rams. Is there anything that stands out to you right now in, in the NFC uh, that really pops out? And we, we all know what Matthew Stafford could bring to the table. We, Kyler Murray has been sensational, absolutely sensational. Uh, is there a team that really has stood out to you so far in the last four weeks of the NFL season? Well, the Cardinals kind of have to be that team, right? They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And if you look at that offense, I know we were just talking about it, what it's trying to do is run an NFL version of the air raid. So they're using a lot of those concepts, that tempo, a lot of static looks at the line of scrimmage. You know, that's a team kind of like the Giants, but in different ways. They're not using a lot of pre-snap motion. They're using some play action, but they're trying to get as many plays as possible in a given game. The problem, though, and I mean, it's a problem in the sense that schematically it makes things harder for the quarterback, although it has not been that big of an issue for Kyler Murray yet, is that when he bails on pockets, whether it's because of pressure or because it's a clean pocket, and he's done a lot of both this season, the receivers and the, really the play design breaks down and it becomes this sort of street ball version of offense. Now, it works because Kyler Murray is so talented. The way he can generate so much torque off-balance, off-platform, because he's not even with his feet on the ground, allow for that kind of thing to work at least pretty effectively. It has been extremely effective though thus far. But at a certain point, they're going to run to a defense that takes those you know improvisational components away, and it's going to come down to how can Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive play caller and head coach of the Cardinals, how can he lift that offense? And in the few years he's been there, we haven't really seen that. The offense has not been bad, but they haven't been great. And when Kyler Murray has gotten hurt, which we saw in 2020, the whole thing has really fallen apart. So can Kyler Murray just lift that offense by virtue of his own talent? I mean, the answer is yes, at least in small doses. But we need to see it over the course of the full season because I just don't know if that offense, the way it is designed and the way it is called, is going to make things easier for him at any point in 2021. I want to talk about another team that's done well, especially defensively, is the Dallas Cowboys. And they had a shocker yesterday, cutting Jalen Smith. Why is that shock? There's no shock. They got to, obviously, Van Der Esch is going to have to be signed in the offseason. They don't have the money. They overpay every single player on the team. They got the highest paid running back, the highest paid quarterback. They have the highest paid wide receiver. They have the highest paid everything. Pass rusher. What's next? They'll have the highest paid underwear by the end of the year. Still, though, with the defense playing as well as they have this season, which was a big surprise to a lot of people, is there any reason that this move makes a lot of sense, or do you think it was definitely one that was surprising? I wouldn't say it's a total, total shock because you can understand why they made that move. Jalen Smith, as you guys correctly pointed out, he makes a lot of money and he's not playing a particularly featured role at this point for the Dallas defense. Now, there are some things that he does really, really well. He's a very good run defender. I, I know that's devalued in the modern NFL, but there are certainly defenses that struggle in that area and they get destroyed because of that reason. So that's part of the, the explanation for why the Green Bay Packers, it seems, are going to sign Jalen Smith to assist in that run game. But for the, for the Cowboys, they have multiple linebackers that can 
cover the pass, which is the, the number one thing any defense is going to have to do, and can at least adequately defend the run. That combination makes more sense for that defense. So Smith wasn't going to get a lot of snaps, and his role had diminished over the course of the first four weeks, and he's going to cost a lot of money. And remember, they can save some of that cap money even though they released him, and they can roll that over into 2022 where they and a lot of other teams are going to have cap issues. It probably makes sense. Now that Jalen Smith is not a player capable of contributing, but it probably isn't enough to to justify the money they were otherwise going to pay. It is very, very interesting. We are talking to award-winning SB Nation and NFL college football writer Jason Hershorn. Now, we we talk about uh, Sunday Night Football and, and obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. Were you surprised today that the New England Patriots were going to release uh, Stephon Gilmore and then all of a sudden, with with the blink of an eye, uh, they trade him for a sixth-round draft pick to the Carolina Panthers? Uh, were you surprised that happened? Uh, were you surprised that the Patriots couldn't get more for him? The Patriots had kind of been telegraphing that Stephon Gilmore was not going to be a part of this team since the offseason. Gilmore wanted a new contract, which is understandable given that he was a recent defensive player of the year. He's in the last year of his deal, and quarterbacks at his age oftentimes fall off very soon. He'd like to get that payday before that happens. Now, the Patriots, very cognizant of the way that quarterbacks tend to fall off, did not want to pay him, and they didn't want to boost his 2021 salary to the point where he was willing to come back. So at that point, it becomes... What can you get for him? And when you leak publicly that they're looking to move on, that they might release him, that's when you can get some of those last-ditch trade offers because if you're a team that feels like you're not going to be able to sign him in free agency but you might be able to acquire him for a day-three pick, that's the kind of move that you make at that point. That's exactly what happened with the Panthers. And it makes sense for them as well. They lost J.C. Horn to a potentially season-ending injury. Now, he's a rookie, but he was a top-ten pick. He had, up to that point of the injury, played very, very well, and it's really hard to replace someone like that. I mean, they already traded for C.J. Henderson from the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that's a player who's in his second year. He'd fallen off of favor after being a top-10 pick himself. You know, he might have a really nice second chapter with the Panthers, but it's it's too early to say. And either way, he was unlikely to fill the role of J.C. Horn. Gilmore can do that, and in that defense, it's one that depends more on man coverage than it does on zone. That's absolutely what Stephon Gilmore specializes in. So you can see the match. Gilmore, even if he ends up being, let's just say, 85% of what he was at his peak, that's an impact player for that team. And that is a defense that has played extremely well. It's off to, you know, a statistically historic start. At least it was up until this past weekend. Throw in Gilmore, you look at the offense, it's performing. You know, it's not one of the best offenses in the NFL, but it is a decided increase over what it was last season. That combination could not just be for a playoff spot. It could potentially win a division if a few things break right. So you can understand why they decided to throw a six-round pick and get a recent defensive player of the year. It just makes a lot of sense. So from an overperforming to an underperforming defense, the Chiefs defense has really been abysmal this year so far, and they're only 2-2, two and two, and now there's actual competition in that, in that division now. Do you think that is a legitimate concern for them as a championship competitive team? Yeah, it has to be. I don't know that it's an Achilles heel because we have seen that team without great defensive play 
go to the AFC title game and to the Super Bowl because of Patrick Mahomes and that offense. The offense thus far has had a couple of issues, but you expect those things to be ironed out. It's still one of the most talented offenses in the NFL. They have the best quarterback in the NFL and probably the, the best play designer in Andy Reid. Those combination of things, especially given how long all those elements have been together, makes you believe that they're going to get right back to where they need to be. And if you have that kind of offense, you can win with a mediocre defense. Now, the defense has to get back to mediocre, to your point. It hasn't gotten to that point thus far through four weeks. But, you know, four-week sample size is very small. Defenses, in some cases, take even like half of a season to figure themselves out. And with that defensive staff, it's a very veteran staff. They have been able to adjust over the course of the season before. We saw that in the year they won the Super Bowl, where they started off kind of slow. Then Chris Jones started to catch fire. They started to use things with him, you know, stunts. They started to play around with those coverages. They played a little more quarters as opposed to cover three. When you do those sort of adjustments, and they'll have different adjustments this year because it's different every season, but when you have a staff that's capable and willing to make those adjustments and you have the talent that they have, you can expect it to improve. I don't know how much of an improvement is, is, is on the table for them, but I would expect if health provides, they are going to be better. Now moving on to some college football, which a lot of people are not surprised that Georgia is a top three team right now in the nation. Alabama's played good football. Even Arkansas has looked really, really good. Is there, has, there been any, has there been any surprises so far early in the college football season? It's not that Georgia's undefeated. It's the caliber of that defense. And they had a good defense before. It's not like that part of it is total shock, but this might be, through four or through five weeks, the best college defense of the 21st century. Statistically, it is. Now, small sample size, you always have to throw that caveat out, but it is playing so well that Arkansas, which had been playing very well itself, was basically a persona non grata throughout that recent game. So, that defense is capable of taking over any game, including their upcoming matchups with the Alabama Crimson Tide, and when they're going to play later on in the SEC, in the SEC title game, in the college football playoff. That is how good that defense has shown itself to be. The offense does not have to be great, and it probably won't be. You know, They've already had issues with JT Daniels staying healthy. That was an issue for him at USC. It's been an issue with him thus far at Georgia. But they don't have to have a great offense. They don't have to have George Bacons come back for that offense to be good enough. They just need that offense to be, you know, SEC average, which is, you know, still better than the national average, but it's not otherworldly. That That's all they really need in order to balance what they have on that defense. So another team that could crack into the top four, being that Iowa and Penn State play each other this week, is Cincinnati. Undefeated right now, looking very complete all-around team, another team with a great defense. Do you think... Do you think they are legitimately college football playoff team? And do you think they have to go undefeated and dominate in every game in order to do so? And also, if there's any game that you think they could lose, what do you think it would be? Well, they're definitely college football worthy. I thought they were worthy last year. Now, they weren't going to make it in because that's just the politics of the college football playoff system. But they were good enough to compete if they made one of those four spots last year. This year's team is even a little bit better than that. And now they've beaten Notre Dame at Notre Dame. If they go undefeated, unless Notre Dame just completely craters over the course of the rest of the season, they are going to get in. Because you just look at how the chessboard has is played out for them. You know, there is not an undefeated team left in the Pac-12 that has a shot at the college football playoff. The Big Ten has a few teams, but Ohio State already has a loss. As you already noted, Iowa and Penn State are going to play each other 
one of those teams is going to have a loss. And even though the other one could still make it in with undefeated record, that itself is not a guarantee. The SEC could produce two. That could be Georgia and Alabama, as we were just describing earlier. But then that leaves another spot. The ACC is probably not going to produce a team. The Big 12 could, but that's a little more precarious now than it appeared at the beginning of the season. You throw all those things in together, and undefeated Cincinnati has a really good case because they've already shown it for a full season in 2020. They've continued on in 2021. They look even better, and they already have that, that big win. Now, to your last part of your question, what could trip them up? The only real game that I think could provide a real scare is SMU. Now, that game is at Cincinnati. That's going to really help them, obviously. But that offense with Sonny Dykes is capable of giving anybody trouble. I don't know if that's going to be enough because that Cincinnati defense is so good. But if it's going to be somebody on the regular season schedule, that's my best guess. We are talking to award-winning SB Nation, NFL, and college football writer Jason Hershorn. Now, Jason, are you surprised that Jim Harbaugh – and I've been talking about Jim Harbaugh getting fired at the end of the season. He was going to go to the NFL. I, I didn't think that he was going to start 5-0. and uh, This defense has played a lot better than we imagined it to be. Over the last couple of years, this is the best start that Jim Harbaugh has had since he's taken over the team. Do you think that this team is playoff bound? I'm not ready to go there. It doesn't mean that they can't. I mean, they definitely have that ability. That said, they – you know, there's just enough of hesitation with that offense. You know, McNamara might be the best of the recent Michigan quarterbacks. I don't know that he's transcendent, and he probably has to be for that team to really make a playoff run. You know, he could improve. Obviously, his first year as a starter. So there is room to grow there, but you, you need to see it before you believe it because Michigan has shown this kind of potential before under Jim Harbaugh and, you know, falling apart down the stretch or, you know, when that Ohio State game came around, if finally, you know, the, you know, all those roosters came home to roost. So I, I just, I, I need to see it. Jim Harbaugh has validated them bringing him back. I think we can say that at this point, but saying that they're college football playoff bound is just, it's a bridge too far for me right now. So talks have been coming out with the expansion with the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma, obviously moving there in the next couple of years. And also the alliance with the ACC, uh, the, the Big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 now. So how do you think that's going to change the overall landscape of college football when it comes to scheduling, when it comes to recruiting and and just any other concept in general. Well, it's been treated like a flashpoint, and to a certain degree it is, but some version of this was always likely to happen at some point, even if it didn't involve the SEC. If Texas and or Oklahoma decided they were going to leave the Big 12, every other power conference was going to make a play. You know, it just happened to be that the SEC got them. You know, it's not like the Big 10 was not going to go after those teams if they were allowed to. Remember, the Pac-10, back when it was the Pac-10, mm-hmm made a run at Texas about a decade ago. So this thing was always going to happen because the Big 12, even though it's had some better years of late, it's always been on financially precarious grounds by the standards of the Power Five. And the SEC has obviously grown the pie for them in terms of their TV money. The Big 10 has done that. The Pac-12 hasn't, and that could eventually become a concern for them. That's why there's been such a big push. You know, they, they changed commissioners this year. That was almost entirely predicated on that TV money with the Pac-12 networks not bringing in what they were expected to. You know, there's going to be more change. This isn't the final domino to fall. You know, I don't know if that means that these conferences are going to combine. The alliance is kind of this 
you know, soft, precarious thing. We, we don't know what that's really going to look like or if it's even going to make a difference at all. You know, for legal reasons, they can't even call it a binding agreement. So we don't exactly know how it's going to play out, but there's going to be more of this sort of condensing at the top because that's where the money is. You know, a lot of these big teams are going to decide, like, why are we floating these smaller teams in their conference? And by the way, this that includes the SEC. At a certain point, if they continue at this pace where they're going to focus on the biggest teams available in college football, you know, they're going to decide, you know, why do we need Vanderbilt when they're not providing us with money? Now, I don't think it's the way that college football should go. I think that long-term is bad for the health of the sport. But we've seen that short-term money guides these decisions. So until we see tangible change from the leadership of the big conferences and from the NCAA, to the degree that they even have leadership at this point, you have to assume that that's the direction it's going to go. One more question for me with college football. Do you like this new rule? that with? And I, I, I love that these players are making money now. Were you surprised that the NCAA accepted this deal where players can make money off their own name? And if so... Uh, were you surprised with some of the money that some of these players are making right now? Obviously, the quarterback from Alabama is making over a million dollars. He hasn't even stepped. He, he didn't even step on the field, and he's making over a million dollars. Are you surprised that these players are making this kind of money? And if so, do you think that this will change the sport for the better? Let's start out with this. This isn't the NCAA's choice. The NCAA did not want this to happen. The legal system forced this decision to such a degree was a decision upon them. You know, the NCAA was hoping they would get a more lenient judgment at the Supreme Court level. That was not going to happen even with this Supreme Court, simply because the gears have been in motion for this for a long time. It is really hard to argue to a legal panel of any variety that you know, fixing prices is actually a feature and not a bug. And you as an organization should be above those, those practices because that's the law. You know, this is a labor force, no matter how the NCAA wants to categorize it. So even though it took a long time to get here, this was an inevitability. Now, in terms of, is it going to change the sport? I don't really know that it is because what really is the dynamic of this money? It is incentivizing players to go to the biggest programs they can. Well, they were already incentivized to do that, right? Like <laughs> yeah, Alabama true. and Georgia and Clemson and all those big schools were always going to get the biggest recruits. Now, every now and then you'll have a school that sort of comes out of that second tier, gets a big recruit. You know, that, that will still happen. There will be players that decide they want to value something above the money. It doesn't mean they're not going to get money, but they might decide, hey, you know, I'm from you know, this part of the country. I'd like to stay in that part of the country, even if it's not the biggest football program. So you're still going to get some of that. But I think this is really reinforcing the existing dynamics. I don't think it's really changing anything. The big change, if and when it comes, is when the schools themselves pay the players, as opposed to just the NCAA not penalizing players for getting paid by third parties. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. You can't even necessarily say, necessarily say at this point that it is going to happen, but that is a that is definitely a possibility because again, this is a labor force. You know, they have the ability to unionize at least in some places. When that does happen, and eventually it is going to happen, that's going to force change across college football because let's, let's say like a private school is able to pay the players directly. Well, the public schools are eventually going to get on board because they don't want to lose out on the big recruits. And the NCAA has basically advocated their responsibility in this particular area. So at a certain point, that could happen. I don't know what form that exactly will take because there's a lot of other considerations, Title IX, uh, certainly tax considerations, which is already a concern with some of these uh, these deals. But 
All of which to say is, I don't know that we've seen a big fundamental fundamental change. Players are still going to go to the biggest programs if they can. They're still going to want to do what they can to get to the NFL because for the vast, vast majority of those athletes, that is the goal. One more for me. Very simple. College football playoff expansion. Are you for it? And if so, how many teams would be best and why? I guess I'm for it, but in a very limited sense. Uh, I'm someone who doesn't necessarily care as much if the best team, or at least what we think to be the best team, wins the championship. I like chaos. I think that's the best feature of college football. Absolutely. Like the, 2000, yeah. the, the 2007 season will probably be the most fun college football season we will ever get because of all the change at the top. And with, with every move towards a formalized playoff or an expanded formalized playoff, we lose a little bit of that possibility. And, and that's just sad for me because you know college football, the more it becomes like the NFL – the less unique it's going to look, the less fun it is going to be. Not that the NFL isn't fun, but you like that it's different. At least I like that it's different, that it has these characteristics. And I think the larger the college football playoff becomes, the more those other characteristics are put in, pushed in the background. Because since the college football playoff came into existence, from the first week of the season, or even from week zero, as they now call it, we're only talking about the college football playoff. We're not talking about the bowl games outside of that. We're not even talking about the surprise teams that don't have a real shot at the college football playoff. We're just talking about you know the the fifteen or ten or whatever teams that appear to have a shot at the college football playoff. You know you can expand it, and I guess more teams will have access to it simply by the matter of the math. But it's still going to become a hunt for the playoff more and more and more than it is anything else. And I think college football is going to lose an important piece of itself in that transition. Jason, thank you for joining us. You, you were awesome. Gave us some good information, not only with the NFL, with college football. Um, I see that you're award-winning. Uh, what, did you, what did you just win uh, for, for, for an award? Well, I'm a member of the Pro Football Writers of America. And Congratulations. I have won Congratulations. one of their awards for feature writing. Uh, it, it remains the highlight of my career because <laughs> usually the people who win those awards have been in the industry for longer than I've been in adults. So to, to have won an award and to have seen my name uh, in the same space as all of these great and talented sports writers meant a lot to me, and I will cherish it for long. Oh, congratulations, congratulations man. You deserve it, absolutely. I've been reading a little bit about you, and we would love to get you back on. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Well, you can find me on Twitter at by underscore jbh, and that's at by underscore jbh. Uh, I put most of my stuff there. I also cover the NFL and specifically the Green Bay Packers on a Substack. That's theleap.substack.com. Check it out. We have a lot of features coming out very soon, including some that have some college football tie-ins. I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's an offensive coordinator in the SEC that is going to get a lot of attention, not just for college football jobs, but for some big NFL jobs in the near future, and that's coming soon. Jason, you definitely got to follow us uh, on us, on our, our Twitter account. Uh, it's uh, WWSRN underscore radio. And follow me. I'll, I'll have Speedy send it to you. I'll follow you. Uh, you're very interesting. We would love to get you on again. Oh, I appreciate the kind word, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. We were just talking to award-winning SB Nation, NFL, and college football writer Jason Hirshhorn. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. The guy has so much talent, uh, gave us so much information, not only with um, NFL, but college football. Gave us some, just so much information. And you know what's so interesting? When we interview these different writers and we interview these different broadcasters and analysts, each of and every one of them have their different personalities. And 
what Jason gave us was just entitled, entailed information. Not only with New York sports. We went off New York sports. There's really nothing to talk about with New York sports except that the Jets and the Giants won their first game of the, of the, of the NFL season. But he, he went in it entailed everything to, for, for all the information that we got. So uh, thank you, uh, Jason, for joining us. And we would love to get him on Speedy right back to him. Um, I'd love to get him on again uh, as the season starts to progress, especially the college season. He, he is awesome, absolutely awesome. Um, at 10 o'clock, we will be talking to the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. Uh, great guy. Um, actually follows us on social media. Yeah, I believe he was on uh, Ryan and Mark's show a couple yes. of years ago. Yep. So, as a guest as well, I think I think Mark knows him personally. Yes, one of like Mark's that, guys, yeah. and um, he loves our show, and has been following us uh, since the beginning, right. and uh, definitely a big fan. Uh, I, I, he 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 has a lot of connections in the business when it comes to the NFL. So uh, I'm looking forward to interviewing. But before we uh, get uh, obviously uh, Russell Baxter on, I, I want to get into this Yankee situation because. To me, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Jeff because I was laying down, resting, just trying to get healthy for tonight's show. And as soon as the Yankees got eliminated, he he sent me some uh, gifs and, and and funny gifs, and I gave him the finger. But it, I have to say, Jeff is one of the funniest people when it when he wants to dig it in and stick it in the heart. He knows how to dig. But uh, yesterday, I, to me, there was. Three things that really showed me where the Yankees need to go in the offseason. Number one, the Yankees need to figure out what this lineup is. Because if they're going to depend on power in this middle lineup, we know John Carlos Stanton's going to be there. More than likely, Aaron Judge is going to be there. Gary Sanchez is going to be gone. There's a couple of guys they're going to stand out that the Yankees got to move on from. Joey Gallo will be back because he's still under one more year of a, of a contract. He needs to figure out how to hit. Uh, you know, especially in the clutch, um, this lineup needs to be fixed. I, I mean, they don't hit for average, and when they play these good teams and these good pitchers, they can't they, they can't hit in the clutch. Nobody on this team can hit in the clutch. Gio Shella last year was the one that really stood out to me for the Yankees that was hitting in the clutch, and in in, in the playoffs it was John Carlos Stanton. Even in in this playoff in the wild card game, the best hitter on the Yankees in the Yankees lineup was John Carlos Stanton. It was like twenty feet from three home runs. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, he needs to learn how to run when he when it hits the wall. I mean, and and, and the mistakes that the Yankees made, and that has a lot to do with management and managing, and. I know a lot of people, and a lot of Yankee fans don't like Aaron Boone. But yesterday, what stood out to me was uh, when your coaches on the third baseline and your first baseline are telling the players to go when they had no right to go. Aaron Judge in the, I think it was the sixth inning. Yeah. Uh, and it was John Carlos Stanton hits a double. Now, Aaron Judge should have stopped. It was one out. Aaron Judge should have stopped at the third baseline, and the third base coach... Uh, called him to go home, and he got caught at home. Now, did that make the Yankees lose? Did that put the Yankees in a situation for them to lose? I don't think so. I think the Yankees are going to lose no matter what. But it, to me, the way the play calling and, and the game was moving the way it was, that had a lot to do with Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone and what he did in the middle of the game, out the bullpen, he made the right decision taking out Garrett Cole in the third inning. Garrett Cole did not have it. After that home run in the, in the uh, I think it was the first inning. If the I'm first inning, right away. The, the two-run home run. After that, 
I knew he was done. He, he didn't have it. He kind of looked like he was tired. It, it really did. It looked like Garrett Cole didn't get any sleep last night, and he was going on on a whim, and he just didn't pitch at the top of his game. Now, this guy's making over 30 some million dollars a year. He's the second-highest-paid pitcher in baseball. You would expect this guy to show up in the biggest game of the season, and he just didn't. And this is a problem with the Yankees. They overpay players, and then when they overpay these players... When they need them the most, and they need them in the most important parts of the game or in the important parts of the season, they don't show up, Speedy. Yeah, it seems like Garrett Cole was battling a lot, too. He didn't have a lot of his strikeout pitches. He, Especially his slider was especially off, just missing outside the zone a lot, bounced a couple, had a lot of trouble with that. And the Red Sox were, were getting multiple hits, it seemed like, in many different, many different innings, even off the Yankees' bullpen, too, which kept them in the game. The Red Sox really didn't go down 1-2-3 very often, and that's why you look at the lineup depth of the Red Sox, Sox, it definitely outplayed the line of depth of the Yankees in that game. And Garrett Cole, if you know that your slider is off, at least try to adjust the different pitches. It never seemed like he made any adjustments. Part of that's on the coaching, okay, but it's you too, the pitch sequencing. You have your personal catcher in the game. It's not like it get, get, you know, it's not like you have to rework it with Gary Sanchez all over again. You should be comfortable with this. Re, be able to resequence it again when you know something is off. And clearly those off-speed pitches were off, especially in the lower part of the strike zone. And also, why are you pitching up to Kyle Schwarber of all people? That's literally the only spot he hits the ball, and you're pitching up to him. He, he strikes out a ton when it's low in the zone, but up in the zone, and all of a sudden you give up a home run. I, I just think it was a horrible, horrible play calling game for the New York Yankees. And and for, for the Yankees in the offseason, well, the Red Sox are moving on against the Rays, and that's going to be a pretty good series. It's going to be fun to watch. The Red Sox fans are crazy. I, that's what I want to see, because I'm watching this Dodger game, and I was telling you, Speedy, there were so many open seats in, in, in yeah. LA. <laughs> Dodgers fans on the right to the third inning. As good as the Dodgers are and as talented as they are, and they were last year's World Series champions, do their fans ever show up to their games? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Classic I LA. Mean, the know. Red Sox were packed over there in Fenway. They were packed. You couldn't even find an open seat. The whole game. The whole game. All the way to the end, it was packed. In this Dodgers game, I, I, I mean, there's, there's nobody there. And, and, and that tells you a lot about the Dodgers and their fans. Yeah. Now, when you, when you talk about what the Yankees showed, at the end of the season, when they had three games against Tampa, all they had to do was win those three games, and they would have won the wild card game. Mm-hmm. They would have had that home field advantage. And home field advantage in a wild card game is very, very important, especially against the Red Sox. Now, do, do I think that if the Yankees had home field advantage, would they have beaten the Red Sox? I don't think so. I really don't. I think the Red Sox they wanted to see they wanted this uh, this game more than the Yankees did, and I just think that I, I, there was just something about Garrett Cole that stood out to me, and I just don't think he wanted to be there. And, and, and to me, when you when you look at the offseason and what the Yankees knew to do in the offseason, everybody keeps talking about Aaron Boone being gone. Uh, Tyler, I can't wait to have him tomorrow because he's going to tell me that Aaron Boone's contract's up. Get rid of him. Well. Okay, if the Yankees get rid of Aaron, Go- Aaron Boone, who are they going to move in as the manager? Because the Yankees have to have a plan. You can't just say, you know what, we're going to move on from Aaron Boone when Aaron Boone has had a winning season since he's taken over as the manager of this team. It wasn't all Aaron Boone's fault on why the Yankees couldn't beat the Red Sox in the wild card game. I don't know if it was. And, and it's, Aaron Boone is not hitting for these guys. These guys got a hit. And, and that was the problem in, in this lineup. The middle of the lineup was a 
abysmal except John Carlos Stan, we were just saying. Nobody was really hitting. And, and that's a huge problem. And going into the offseason, Speedy, the Yankees need to figure out what this team is and what this lineup is. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fringe players moved for sure, both pitching and hitting. And I think the Yankees will definitely look at pitching depth as a big key to that because they might have the star power, but the, the depth needs to be a little better. By the way, speaking of Red Sox fans, we have our resident Red Sox fan caller on the phone. What's going on, Jeff? Hello, Errol. Good evening, Speedy. <laughs> What's going on, man? I think I think that you're underselling a couple of things here. While while you know, I realize you're a Yankee fan and telling the story from a Yankee fan perspective, and and I I appreciate that and I respect it. But I think home field was important. I think Stanton has two home runs if they're not playing at Fenway Park. That I agree wall, with you. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, that maybe not the first one was a bit of a wall scraper. Maybe that's a flyout in Yankee Stadium. But the second one, name a park that missile wasn't gone in. Mm. I agree with you. No, and then there, and then there's no. Oh, Nevin should have sent him. That's two runs, right? You, you might be right. Yeah. And then the other thing, I think that you're downplaying. Okay, Garrett Cole wasn't super sharp. You know who was? Nathan Evaldi. And sometimes you, sometimes you're not blowing the game. Sometimes you just get beat. And I think the Reds, uh, Nathan Evaldi, beat the Yankees last night. Oh, I agree with you. Not not saying that he's great or whatever, but everyone can have a good night, and Evaldi had a great night. And at one point, what was it, 11 in a row, he sat down for the Mm Yankees? That's pitching great. Well, Nathan Evaldi has been a very good playoff pitcher for the Red Sox. He helped the Red Sox win a World Series a couple of years ago. So we know what Nathan Evaldi can do. Garrett Cole is also a good playoff pitcher over the the years, even with the Astros. Is he? You guys yes. just paid him $6 million for every playoff out he could get this year. For the most part, he's a streaky playoff pitcher. I wouldn't say he's bad, though. He's a, he's and, a good playoff pitcher. If and, you look okay, at his, I mean, uh, his ERA and web. People could say he's a good player, but it's pretty easy to pitch when your team is cheating also, and you're putting up runs. It's easier to pitch that way. Well, so until he wins for a team that doesn't cheat, it doesn't count for me. I understand. And, and to me, what we saw with the Yankees had a lot to do with managing, too. And I, I think there was a lot of things that really stood out to me with Aaron Boone. And it has nothing to do with me and a Yankee fan. It, it just has everything Listen, to there do were, with... There were a couple of fly balls last night for the Yankees that they hit to the warning track in right field. That's 380 to, right, uh, to get it out in right field in Fenway. Mm-hmm. Those are home runs in Yankee Stadium. No question. And I think, and it has a lot to do with what the Yankees did in the last three games of the season uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. They had a chance to win home field advantage. They were playing as good a baseball as any team in, in all of the major leagues. And they laid up two duds in that, uh, in that I mean, series. I mean, what is it? You know, I don't want to shit all over Yankee Stadium because yeah. it's easy to hit. I mean, I think we all agree it's easy to hit a home run to right field in Yankee right. Stadium. Yeah. Yes. Right? I mean, how far is it down that line? I realize Stanton snuck one in and got one around the pole in that short in that area. But the rest of right field, it's deep, man. You got to hit it four hundred to get out in in Fenway Park. In also, right also in 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 Fenway, it was a little bit more windier and a little bit more colder. In Yankee Stadium yesterday, it was seventy degrees. If the Yankees played in in Yankee Stadium, it might have been a different. Maybe, like you said, John Collistan probably would have hit two home runs in that game. Uh, he oh, looked the great. One for the second one. I don't know about the first one. That wall's pretty short. It is deep in in Yankee Stadium in left field, so. Maybe not the first one, mm-hmm. but certainly the second one is a piss missile that he hit. No, absolutely. And he was very upset. He was upset what Aaron Judge did uh, at third base. And I don't blame Aaron Judge. I blame the third base coach. I, I don't know what he was thinking. 
I don't I know just, what he was uh, thinking. Can I just, uh, uh, on behalf of Yankee fans, I'd like to just bitch about one Yankee in particular, the one that you're praising, Giancarlo Stanton. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you how do you put pressure on pitchers? You get into scoring position. Mm-hmm. That dude, first of all, pimped the first one and only ended up with a single, which could have been at second if I don't know. Showed a no little question. Hustle. Yep. And he only ended up on second on the second one because of the throw home because he stood there and stared at the ball again. So. Why is it? And you would have thought after the first one, he would have learned his lesson. Why does that dude just stand in the box and not hustle? It could have been second and third with, with no outs. I, I have instead, no idea. Instead, at best, that would have been first and third with no outs, which is a completely different situation. But you know what really bothers me more than anything is this lineup couldn't hit. The only person that could hit in that game was Giancarlo Stanton. And for all the Yankee fans, and, and I'm, I'm not a big Giancarlo Stanton fan, and I'm not sticking up for Giancarlo Stanton, but... In the last two years in the wild card games, who has stood out the most for the New York Yankees? And the answer is Giancarlo Stanton. He is the only player that has hit in these two games. And, right, and to as, me, and as much as he did, though, and I, you know, I, I hate to keep bringing it up. What's he doing standing in the box staring at the baseball? You're absolutely right, and this this is a huge problem. This has a lot to do with management, and if I was Aaron Boone, I would have pulled him to the side after the first hit and said, stop looking and start running. This is a playoff game. This is not a regular season game, and you're putting us at risk to losing because you're not giving us the best chance to score, and 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 that's what we had. And I don't think it's that the Yankees didn't really hit because they had some decent hits. Uh, Kike Hernandez, I think, just played a terrific center field. He ran a couple down in the gap that were that were dangerous. So I just think the Red Sox beat the Yankees. I don't think the Yankees blew it or lost it by any stretch. I just think that the Red Sox were a little better last night. Just last night. I'm not trying to No, the Red Sox all. the Red Sox in this series, besides the second half of the season where the Yankees won that six game they won five out of six games, the Red Sox were the better team. They were the better team against the Yankees Because this year. it didn't get out of hand until late. And if the Yankees could have scratched across a, another run or two, you know, when they made it 3-1, uh, to one, right. if it had been 3-2, who knows if the Red Sox get that fourth run the very next inning or whatever. You know, momentum's a big thing. Changes the and, whole bullpen strategy. Right, absolutely. Although I do think it was just beautiful justice that a former Yankee started the game and a former Yankee ended the game. Wow, <laughs> you guys give us good players. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally, it was a former Met that cleaned up with a one, two, three, eighth inning. <laughs> there you go. It's just New York destroying New York, and I love it. Uh, what are your thoughts with the Mets and Rojas? I mean, obviously, the Mets are going to be looking for a new manager this offseason. Maybe the Yankees are going to be looking for a new manager this offseason. Uh, is there a player that stands out, or is there a former player that stands out where the Mets could bring in? Because I, I, I heard that Theo Epstein is not coming in. He's not. He's not going to take over as a GM or president or vice president of player personnel over there with the Mets. He's going to he's going to sit out for the season and decide what he's going to do next season. Is there any player or any person or any manager that the Mets could bring in that could really change this team's fortune? Yeah, I mean, I I don't even really want. I, I think that's secondary right now. I think for the Mets, the first thing is first, and they need to find their next GM. I find it somewhat shocking that. Um, that Theo Epstein won't be there. He's a proven winner in two impossible places in Boston mm-hmm. and uh, with the Cubs in Chicago. Chicago. And the way that Uncle Stevie is throwing around dollars like he's in Brewster's millions just <laughs> spending, I'm surprised he didn't pay him to, to come in and help out. 
I'm very surprised too. And and I and when I heard the story that Theo Epstein has already come out and said there's not a chance in hell he's coming uh, to the New York Mets at least this year. That says a lot about uh, what Steve, Uncle Stevie is going to do. A lot of Mets fans have been jumping for joy and thinking that he's going to spend another five, six hundred million dollars this offseason. They got to decide what they're doing with Noah. They got to decide what they're doing with Stroman. This pitching staff is going to be completely different next year, where their strength was in the offseason going into pitching. And everybody thought that this pitching staff was going to be one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. And this pitching staff couldn't stay healthy. And they don't even know if Jacob, Jacob DeGrom is going to be ready for next year because he probably is going in for surgery. I mean, Speedy is the, the resident Mets fan who's on the short list now after the you know, Speedy. I've heard Billy Bean as the as the main guy just because of the connections with Sandy Alderson, and I heard uh, Brewers general manager or assistant general manager David Stearns is another guy too, which I would be encouraged by because Milwaukee's done a nice job finding a lot of talent, also from other teams, but also rebuilding their own team the way they did after after they were really bad for a while. Are last either decade. of those? Well, I mean, with all due respect to Billy Bean, because uh, I mean, I really do think he's very good, but. Uh, are they any better than Theo Epstein, though? I don't think so. I'm, I'm actually a little worried if they brought in Billy Bean, just because I think one of the biggest things conflicting this front office so far, because Sandy Alderson comes from that athletics moneyball regime, and Steve Cohen, like you were saying, wants to spend $500 million every offseason. I think <laughs> as a result, those kinds of ways conflicted where I think they kind of need that middle ground. So actually, I'm more encouraged if Stearns becomes the guy, because the Brewers are kind of that middle ground. They'll, they'll spend money here and there. They're a middle market team. They're not, they're not the Rays. They're not the Athletics. They're, they'll spend money here and there, but they also know how to find gems from other teams. We, we've seen it a lot with a lot of their position players this year, and also we've seen them home grow players very well, especially with their pitching now. Look at what they've done with that pitching staff, both versatile and deep now. And the Mets need something like that. The Mets... They they have some, they have levels of talent. They just don't have the little things, and the Brewers have done a good job doing those little things. I mean, I just think they missed, right? I just, I whoever they bring in next might be good, might be great. I don't know, but when you see a dude that has broken two curses and two impossible towns to win in, in mm-hmm. Boston and with the Cubs in Chicago, how is that not your guy? Oh, I'm sorry. How do you not make it? How do you try to make that work? you got to try to make that work. Well, here, here's the thing with Theo Epstein. We don't know what Theo Epstein wants. We don't know if Theo Epstein wants to even uh, take money. over for the New York Mets. Now, obviously, money. money Theo Epstein's made his money. He doesn't really need the money anymore. Uh, but yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't take that interview if he's not interested in the job. He'd go, no, I'm going to I don't do origami the rest of my life. <laughs> right? He, you know, like, he took the interview because he wanted the job yeah right he wanted to at least see what it was and i i guess you know the dollars weren't to his liking which is shocking well again i i don't know what uncle stevie's gonna do in the offseason maybe it's a great name for him by the way (laughs) it is it really is but uh, Steve Cohen needs to decide what he is doing this offseason. Maybe uh, Theo Epstein's name gets brought up into the conversation again in the long run. But I think when you when you look at the Mets and you look at where the Yankees are, the Yankees are positioned to succeed next year. And the reason why is right now uh, the Yankees could go in the offseason. And Hal Steinbrenner said uh, when they asked him, is he willing to spend money going into the offseason, he'd said that he will spend money this offseason. Now, if he does do that, he's got to decide is Aaron Boone going to take the Yankees to the promised land? And right now, after what I saw yesterday, 
I, I know all the players are sticking up for him. There was Giancarlo Stanton stuck up for him. Aaron Judge stuck up for him. Glaber Torres stuck up. All the leadership on the Yankees stuck up for him. But that doesn't sell a Yankee fan. That doesn't sell the, the Yankees, uh, the Yankee fans that are putting the money in these guys' pockets. And it's not, in, in the long end, well, where the Yankees are and where the Yankees want to be, they're in position to fail again next year. I don't believe that this team is, even if they bring in a new manager, and let's say they do, they bring, I don't know who it's going to be. I know you wanted David Cohn. I want David Cohn, and I'll tell you why I think David Cohn would be the perfect fit for the Yankees. I think the guy knows what he's doing. I think he understands pitching. I think the problem with Aaron Boone uh, really all season long was how he ran this bullpen really to the ground and what he's done over the last couple years to run arguably one of the best bullpens in baseball to one of the worst bullpens in baseball. This pitching staff, uh, even though they've had a lot of injuries this year, they brought Corey Kluber in. Now, let me my question is, now I understand Garrett Cole is the highest paid guy, but Corey Kluber has been more proven in the playoffs. Now, not by much, but he I believe he's more proven in the playoffs. Why did they start Corey Kluber for three or four innings in this game? I think he would have pitched better than Garrett Cole. I, I can't I, honestly be asking why they didn't start a guy with a history of show, like elbow injuries that was also hurt this year, why they wouldn't be starting him over your ace pitcher in a one-game matchup. You're not legitimately asking... Why didn't you know? Why didn't we sit the guy that we just paid thirty six million dollars to? Is this? Am I living in a simulation? Is this like a joke? Well, well, just think about this. I'm going to tell you why. Why is Max Scherzer starting for the Dodgers? Now, I understand Max Scherzer is a great pitcher, sensational pitcher for the Nationals. He wasn't their best pitcher, best pitcher all season long. He came in, he pitched very well. A Bueller pitched very well this year. They have but pitchers. Bueller just recently pitched, though. I understand. So I understand, not available, but and and Kershaw is. They're wondering if Kershaw needs Tommy John surgery now, so he might not even pitch all through the playoffs. I, I, he's pitching tonight, and he's pitched all right. But to me, Bueller, I, I, if you know that you're going to in the playoffs and you're going to make the playoffs, which they were hands down going to make the playoffs. Everybody knows the Dodgers were going to make the wild card game. Look at their record; they were going to get a home field advantage in that wild card game. Right, but they were trying to get the top spot, so they kept pitching. They had so no chance for that so top spot. Doing- they had no they chance. Finished one, they finished one game. Behind. I understand they that, but they. I, I I know that's the way you would look at it, but I didn't think they had a chance. I, I didn't think they were. I think the Giants were going to. One game behind. Think about this. One game separated the Blue Jays from the Yankees. If the Yankees were one game worse, you were sitting down, and Seattle the Blue Jays would have been in. Seattle too was one game. We'll behind, say the yeah. Seattle ended up two games back because they lost the final. Well, yeah, but I think they knew they were out of it at that point. Once they, I think it, once they saw was it the Red Sox won or something like that, they knew they knew they were out of it. Right, that, or, that's when yeah. they took Seager out and the yeah. whole thing. Uh-huh. Right, I'm just saying, and I understand what you're saying, but again. Garrett Cole has not pitched well in the second half of the season. And they showed the numbers of what Garrett Cole was pitching in his last four games. His ERA was over six. His whip was over three. If if you look at those numbers, as a manager, you would say that Garrett Cole shouldn't have started in that wild card game. I would have played the guy that you trusted the most for three or four innings and then bring your bullpen in. The other thing that I find is, a little ridiculous, and I guess I'm going to take a shot at the Yankees and you a little bit on a couple of fronts. Go ahead. Um, But try not to take them too personally because I think there's some merit to this one. You know, you're talking about David Cohn being a man. Where's David Cohn been a manager? Nowhere. David Cohn's been nowhere. But Yankee arrogance... you know what the situation is? It's Yankee arrogance like Michigan arrogance. Oh, they want to have they want to have a Michigan man. 
How's that worked out for Michigan? It's a dumpster fire every time. Why don't the Yankees go get a real manager rather than going, well, he's a Yankee. Let me We're ask you a question. Who's a, who's a real manager, Jeff? Who do you think is a real manager for the Yankees? There's plenty of Who? them out there. Give me one. Give me one. Uh, that's available? Yeah, give me one. I would have to go through a list, but there has to be there has to be a dude who was who was uh, where's Garden Hire these days? You're gonna tell me Ron Garden Hire can't can't coach? I don't know. He I don't think he, he could coach in New York. I don't think he could uh, coach in New York. He took the Twins to the the, the playoffs every year. The only guy He's that I guy. the only guy that I would bring in if if you want to bring in a veteran guy, Buck Showalter would be somebody that I would look at for the Yankees because he helped again again with the Yankee arrogance. We need a Yankee. I hold on one second. I, this has nothing to do with the Yankees. Or being arrogant. It's, it's, it's why you mentioned David Cohn. Why is David Cohn? David Cohn's not a Yankee. He's a Met. He's a Kansas I'll City. I'll give you. I'll give you another one that could could do the job. And but he's he's been a coach with both of your idiot organizations. <laughs> what about Kevin Long? <laughs> Kevin, you're gonna bring that up. What you said? First that. of all, the Yankees would <laughs> never bring in Kevin Long because I don't think he could, he could be a good manager. He's not even a good hitting coach. So I, I think Long's that would be a terrific guy and could handle it. Though. Yeah, well, good. You could take <laughs> him. Plenty, you can let him manage the ma- the Red Sox. Give the Red Sox hitting coach. But there's, but there's. Oh, trust me, buddy. The Red Sox have had worse hitting coaches than him. Do you remember the Chili, Chili Davis? Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, I've gone through enough of Chili Davis. <laughs> right. So you know, and listen, he was with us before he was with you. You just I know our trash. I know. Right, so you don't. You, but there's plenty of guys out there, Ron Renneke and other guys that are like bench yeah. coaches and things that could do that. Like, I mean, this whole oh, we're going to bring in a Yankee thing. And the other thing, I just want to take a shot at you for Errol too. Go because ahead. You said it all year, and it's just laughable now at this point after mm-hmm. what we saw last night. We got to get to our guest, but go ahead. The whole oh, we're waiting for Severino to come back. Can when you just admit he's trash? The guy fucking oh, oh, hold on. What an hold, hold, hold on. Put together last night. First of all, first of all, he came back. He pitched very well when he came back. He didn't pitch well in, in, in obviously, Boston. And he's had problems at Fenway Park for years. His so, problem is he stinks. Oh, get out of here. He doesn't stink. His <laughs> problem is he stinks. <laughs> Jeff, call back a little later, you crazy bastard. <laughs> His problem is he stinks. Okay. I just, you know, wanted to throw that out there. I, I'd like taking a couple shots at you. Well, and, thank you. You know, it's, Appreciate it's good it. to, for your listeners to know that Jesus hates the Yankees. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff from Tampa, <laughs> who has his own thoughts to the Yankees and my thoughts to the Yankees as a Yankee fan. But as a Yankee fan, I, I thought the Yankees were horrible. And, 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 and they didn't deserve to win yesterday. The Red Sox were the better team. And, and I think the Red Sox in the Rays series was, was going to be better than the Yankees in the Rays. Because I, I, I just don't trust uh, that Aaron Boone and that management was going to take them to the next level. I, I just don't think they're, uh, they're worthy enough to take them to the next level. And I think Aaron Boone ruined that bullpen. Absolutely tortured one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. But anyways, we have our second guest. We are now talking to the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. What's going on, Russ? Well, not much. Uh, what I've learned in the last five or ten minutes is that uh, Jeff from Tampa is not to be hired as a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, but that's uh, he's one of our good fans. He's been following us for years, but he gives us good takes. He's, he's from Boston. He's a little crazy. Uh, he's his New England slash Boston Red Sox, and he, he hates us New Yorkers. So he loves this show because he loves to attack us. 
Well, it was an entertaining few uh, few moments and so on. So uh, absolutely, he must be in his glory after uh, after uh, uh, what happened last night and so on. <laughs> absolutely. Well, he was happy. I was pissed. But anyways, um, how are you and your family with the pandemic? Uh, we just came off being, having COVID. I've been very very uh-huh. sick. So is Speedy. So uh, uh, very. Uh, very happy to be back, but uh, I don't wish it upon anybody. I was, uh, I was completely against the vaccination. After what I dealt with over the last 12 days, I don't want to deal with it again. I'm getting the vaccination. All good on the uh, Eastern Front here and so on, and uh, no issues, and uh, uh, you know, doing what I'm told and uh, what's been advised. And uh, listen, everybody's got to do their own thing, but uh, we've had no problems. So let's get into some football conversation because we know you know a lot about it. Uh, what are your thoughts t- to the New York Jets, uh, Robert Sollers, uh rookie head coaching uh, last four games, uh, uh, Michael LaFleur's rookie offensive coordinating, uh, and obviously Zach Wilson as a rookie quarterback. Are, are you surprised that the New York Jets' offense has been so obsolete? And uh, were you surprised that the Jets put on a great showing uh, last Sunday to knock off the Tennessee Titans, who didn't look that good either? Well, if you've seen Tennessee play defense for the last year plus, um, you know you couldn't be super shocked. Remember last year, uh, they got off to a five and zero start. Um, they went into Cincinnati, which wasn't they weren't playing very well. And when you have a poor defense, you can make an ordinary offense look good. Uh, and that's exactly there were fourteen teams made the playoffs last year. Of the fourteen teams, Tennessee was fourteenth in terms of points allowed. They scored a lot of points. They were fourth in the league. But um, they really couldn't stop anyone all year. And, uh, you know, they brought in some edge rushers and Danico Autry and Bud Dupree. Um, but we saw them get, listen, we saw them get blasted by the Arizona Cardinals uh, in week one. And, and a lot of that was their offensive line issues and they couldn't block Chandler Jones. So, they're, you know, Mike Rabel's team is uh, one of those teams that everything's got to be going right. But defensively, they don't look much different than they did a year ago. And again, you, it, if you want to build a team's confidence like the New York Jets, who came into that game scoring 20 points in three games, <laughs> that's like a quarter for the Tennessee Titans. Um, line up against Tennessee. Line up against a poor defensive team. Line up against Kansas City right now. Kansas City isn't stopping anyone. Um, you know, they went wild at Philadelphia last week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, five touchdown pass, still gave up 30 points. I was going to ask now about the Chiefs' defense. How much of a, of a legitimate concern do you think it is for them being – we know they have some talent, but performing the way they have so far in terms of being a championship caliber team in the AFC, especially with their division now playing well the way they've had? Yeah, they're, they're one of, I think, two divisions where no team has a losing record, but they're at the bottom at 2-2. Two and two. Um, You know, Andy Reid probably learned his lesson a couple of years ago when, during Patrick Mahomes' MVP year. Uh, when they scored, what, 565 points, um, gave up 421, okay? So uh, one of my favorite historical stats, and the Chiefs fall under this category um, because they're one of them. The 12 highest scoring teams in NFL history, points in the season, no Super Bowl rings, none, okay? Uh, points come out of the passing game. My, my old friend, Ron Jaworski, it's one of his favorite things. Um, no quarterbacks led the league in passing yards and won the Super Bowl the same year. And that's 55 years. So, you know, it's a pretty good body of work. So you see all these numbers getting put up. But, but if you don't play defense, 
it doesn't it really doesn't matter okay and i know they keep on changing the rules and tweaking things and are always trying to make things better for the offense uh but i know this i've seen the last three super bowls and two teams failed to score a touchdown in a super bowl the rams against the patriots the chiefs against the bucks we are talking to founder of profootballguru.com russell baxter now russ are you surprised right now of what Justin Herbert is doing? Justin Herbert is, is breaking records as a second-year quarterback. He's been sensational, knocked off the Oakland Raiders. That was one of the undefeated teams. Are you surprised that he has been at the top of his game, and are you surprised he's been the best quarterback in the last three years of the last three-year drafts? Well, he has picked up where he left off last year, and you remember early in the season, remember he got thrust into a starting job. In week two, when Tyrod Taylor couldn't answer the bell, uh, which was not his fault, a you know, medical issue and so on, and uh, hasn't stopped since. And I, I think the difference now is he learns the game and what he can do and what he, what he can't do um, is they are learning how to win. Because in the beginning of the year last year, they were learning how to lose. 17-point uh, lead blown here and there and here and there and just finding ways to lose games. Uh, now all of a sudden they're seven and one in their last eight games. You had the four game winning streak at the very end. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of Justin Herbert uh, at Oregon because I don't see a lot of college football. Uh, but when you see him on the field, he has that feel of a guy who's been doing this for four or five years. Um, and listen, you got to be already impressed with Brandon Staley as a head coach, the Chargers defense, which has been pretty damn good. The first couple of weeks, I mean, I, I know Kansas City hung 24 on them and so on, but they held the Raiders to 14 uh, points. Um, you know, they're not squat. They're winning games late and not squandering leads. And what Brandon Staley did with the Rams last year can't be underestimated. I mean, it, it's almost like he seems like he came out of nowhere. OK, but you, you remember the last few years, the Rams had had their share of talent on defense, led by Aaron Donald, obviously, and Jalen Ramsey and so on. And remember when Sean McVay first got there, they hired Wade Phillips to be the defensive coordinator. And listen, they had plenty of sacks and they had plenty of takeaways and they gave up plenty of yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And they weren't as staunch as you would think. And then Brandon Staley goes in last year and they give up the fewest yards in the league. They give up the fewest points in the league. And you look what he's doing with the Chargers right now. Um, they are getting stops, and they're making life easier for their offense. And, uh, you know, not only are they 3-1, and one, they're already 2-0 and oh in the division, and that can't be underestimated. So I want to I go from an overperforming to an underperforming team. You had a lot of tweets recently about the Steelers, the relationship with Big Ben and Mike Tomlin are not going so well. We've heard Juju Smith-Schuster on a hot mic uh, say this is Ben's fault, not really liking him, uh, taking shots at his quarterback. So what do you think the ultimate fallout is going to be of that? How do you think it's going to last throughout the season? And do you think it, it could lead to a scenario where somebody could get fired, somebody could get traded? What do you think will end up happening with that? Well, I know this. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969, which I'm guessing is well before either one of you were born. Uh Okay. It is not well before I was born. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) it's not that's they're not a knee jerk reaction. Listen, for the first 40 years of their existence, guys, they were that team that dumped coaches 
and dumped quarterbacks. And, you know, their first 40 years of existence, they won one playoff game. I'm sorry, they won zero playoff games. They only made an appearance in one. They were, you know, they were the early version of the Buccaneers or the early version of the Saints or mm-hmm. even the Cleveland Browns as we know them now. And so they were horrible. And then they hired Chuck Knoll and now the rest is history. They changed their philosophy. But they might have to change their philosophy again here. You know, as, as Ben is, looks like a wounded fighter, their offensive line is abysmal. I believe now going back to uh, November last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers have not rushed for at least 100 yards in a game, 11 straight games. Okay, including the playoff game. And a lot of that is just abandoning the run. Okay, or not even bothering. So they don't even resemble a, t- a power football team that we have known for a long time. Um, I'll, I'll be surprised if I won't be. I would not be surprised if they sat Ben down. Okay, at one time. Wow. Okay, I just wouldn't, and I think that's more physically than mentally. Okay, um, you know he's kneeled. I don't even know what his status is for this week. You know, there's a. Uh, new hip issues and so on. It's not like he has not sat down because of injuries before. Okay. He's taken a lot of pounding. He's a quarterback uh, throughout his career is one of those guys who has hung in the pocket. Um, he has danced around back there. He's had unbelievable success scrambling around some of the, his great plays or, uh, you know, being able to move and so on. And even Mike Tomlin said, he can't move like he used to. And behind that offensive line, which has been, you know, they're still, I think they're still learning each other's names, much less, much less blocking schemes. Okay. So it just shows you, regardless of who's throwing the football, if you don't have the men up front and you don't have a balanced football attack, uh, you're doomed for failure. So I'm not sure how it's going to play out. That rest of that division, everybody's three and one except them. Um, they've already lost uh, at home to Cincinnati. Uh, a home divisional game, which they had not done in a, uh, they had not lost to Cincinnati at home in a while, and so on. So I, I, I'm not sure. It's but here's what I will say, and it's it's jump forward. Next year, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be in a position they haven't been that I really can't remember. They are actually going to have a ton of salary cap room, mm. and this is a team that's been up against the cap for years and years and years. So next year. Are they a team that relies on the draft? Do they draft a quarterback? Do they go out and sign a free agent and invest big money? Okay, we, we saw New England, who is not usually a team that opens up their checkbook, open up their checkbook this offseason with John New Smith and Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry and so on. Could the Steelers do something like that? Again, that's next year. This year, I think they're just going to try and hold on for dear life. We are talking to the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. Now, Russ, you mentioned the New England Patriots, and uh, New England spent a lot of money this offseason, almost $135 million. That is not Bill Belichick-esque over the last, uh, I would say, 15, 20 years. He stuck with Tom Brady, now obviously drafting Mac Jones at number 15. Mac Jones has been the best out of all the young quarterbacks because he fits the system. Now, when you talk about the last couple of weeks, and and really last week against Tampa Bay on Sunday Night Football, are you surprised that the Patriots, for the first time in almost 20 years, is starting the season 1-3 and and not playing good football with the money that they spent? Well, it it shows you that, and, and you guys know this from every sport, okay? 
investing big money doesn't necessarily mean success. Okay, and uh, I'm not I'm a baseball casual. Okay, but I can remember the years during free agency. It always seemed like the Baltimore Orioles were spending a whole bunch of money on players, and they never seemed to get any better. Okay, so when you try to build through free agency, that's a lot different than plugging little holes in free agency. And you've got a whole bunch of players here who, you know, again, chemistry, knowing each other, rookie quarterback, um, you know, especially guys who you're trying to develop rapport with in terms of uh, pass catching and so on. So you've got these at least these four new faces here. So and so it takes time. And you know, it, it really takes time for some of these teams to get together um, and get their act together and so on because of the way training camp is run and um, practices and, you know, preseason. We actually saw teams not play anybody for the first two games and actually play them in the preseason game because there was going to be such a lull. When eventually, and I'm not breaking news here, okay, when eventually we get to an 18-game season, which I think is in the card somewhere down the line, four or five years, and they start playing two preseason games, and those preseason games will mean a little more, building momentum. I mean, it always seems in, in recent years to me that the first four weeks of the NFL season seems like the preseason. And the preseason for a while there seemed like training camp. It's like they're a month behind. And, you know, how many times have we seen funny? How many times have we seen New England go two and two and win the Super Bowl or lose their opener and win the Super Bowl? You got to build, build, build. And listen, we saw that with Tampa Bay last year, seven and five after 12 games, push the right buttons, win a Super Bowl. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think I'm totally surprised. After, you know, and especially after the year they had last year. And by the way, they also spent some money on defense as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Judah. They had some holes there. They haven't stopped the run in about two years. That's been a big, big problem for them. Uh, we saw uh, Nick Chubb go up there one year and, and blast them. Then they went to Baltimore the after week and Lamar Jackson killed them. And, and then we saw Derrick Henry run over them. So um, how many times do you see a Bill Belichick defense get abused on the ground like that? Um, not often. And when you don't, it's hard to score when you don't have the football. Okay. I mean, I, I, I looked this up. I did extensive research. No quarterback has ever thrown a touchdown pass while he's on the sidelines. <laughs> so staying with the Patriots, they made it, they made a big move today with Stefan Gilmore, trading him to the Carolina Panthers, a rumor that was thought of right around the draft. They were thinking maybe the, mm-hmm. the Panthers yep. might trade the number eight overall pick to the Patriots for Stefan Gilmore. And then it kind of resumed again in the preseason. Then it died out again, but now they only trade him for only a sixth round pick. Are you surprised that they sold short the way they do? Not something you normally see out of the Patriots. You No, but you also see this, uh, with these, especially when it comes to these mid-season trades and so on, uh, where you try to trade someone, try to trade. Listen, the early report was that he was flat out released, and then all of a sudden they were able to get it. And by the way, it's a six-round pick in 2023, mm-hmm. so it's not even next year. Oh wow, I so didn't realize that. You okay. see, yeah, you you see that um, on the trade. Oh, we can get four first-round picks from. In what country are you talking about? You're going to get four <laughs> first-round picks for anyone. Okay, I mean, you've heard that with the Deshaun Watson stuff and so on. If they know you're trying to get rid of them, okay, they'll wait and see if you actually cut them. Okay, so it's as simple as that. So I'm not super surprised um, at the compensation because none of that surprises me anymore. 
to be honest with you. And, and who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks as we get uh, closer and closer to midseason and so on. You know, it's uh, I'm sure the Cowboys, I don't know this, I'm sure the Cowboys tried to tra- trade Jalen Smith. Mm. Okay. And, you know, when they did, they finally released him and then Green Bay picked him up. So we'll see a couple more moves like that over the next couple of weeks. We are talking to founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. Now, Russ, uh, we talk about uh, all the different teams. We, we were just talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, how about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson? He's been ta- getting taken shots not only through uh, Baltimore writers but throughout the country that he can't throw the ball. He's a running quarterback. He can't make the play in the open field, especially in the playoffs. He's got a losing record in the playoffs. His numbers are t- horrific in the playoffs. Are you surprised that this year, again, he's up for an MVP conversation? Uh, he has really put the team on his back. Uh, John Hawball, uh, they're breaking records running the ball right now. It's been, they've been absolutely sensational running the ball year in and year out with Lamar Jackson. Are you surprised that Lamar Jackson has put the team on his back? Well, I'm a little surprised because, you know, Baltimore's always been regarded as a pretty reliable defensive team. But something has happened to them over the last couple of years. Um, if you're looking for a pass rusher in free agency, go to the Ravens because they seem to be like, you know, the old Crazy Eddie commercials. We're just <laughs> giving them all away, okay? I'm dating myself. I understand that, okay? But think about some of the guys who have left in the last couple of years. Terrell Suggs, um, C.J. Mosley, Zadarius Smith. Matt Judon, who played a big role in the game the other day. He was all over the place against Tom Brady and so on. Um, they've been losing, and, and they, they're less reliant on their defense and more reliant on their offense. Uh, you know, when they, they lose an overtime game in week one, they give up 33 points. They gave up 35 points to the Chiefs, but managed to win that game, the 36-35 game. So um, it's, it's a different kind of team, and... As time goes on, Lamar Jackson, I think, is improved. I mean, it's funny. When he won the MVP a couple years ago and set the, the record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a season, and the Ravens set the NFL record for rushing yards by a team in a season, he led the league in touchdown passes. That's right. Okay? Yeah. You know, and, and Mark Andrews plays a big part, and, and Marquise Brown and so on. So they don't have an, it's almost like an unorthodox type of passing attack. But he has proven that he can throw the football. Now, the, the, to me, the playoff thing is less about him throwing the football. And to me, it's almost nerves, okay? Um, you know, he had fumbleitis against his, in his first playoff game uh, against the Chargers. Um, he had fumbleitis when they played the Titans. Um, they didn't score a touchdown last year in the Buffalo game. He finally got his leg, oh, legs moving against Tennessee. Oh, you know the bad Tennessee defense. So I think it's less about his inability to throw the ball and more just that big stage. And we've seen some really good players in all sports kind of wilt in the big stage. So this season so far, we've seen a lot of lopsided divisions for the most part. The NFC West, the AFC West are very good. And then we see divisions like the AFC South be really bad. And also we've seen a lot of surprise units as a whole. So of any team so far, that's been a surprise. Which unit statistically in your research do you think has been the most surprising, whether it's a team offense, a team defense, maybe a team offensive line or something like that? What has been the most surprising to you? Uh, even though I know they had talent, Carolina's pass rush has been pretty potent. Um, and 
Um, I know they have Brian Burns and so on. Hassan Reddick, you know, you remember when the Cardinals made him a first-round draft choice? Yeah. I thought uh, it was a big reach at the time. 2017, mm-hmm. and he really didn't do anything for about three years. And, of course, Chandler Jones only played five games last season. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here he comes as a pass rusher. And he signs with uh, Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, you get the, well, you know, one-hit wonder. but No, not one-hit wonder. Okay, he's been a big part of their pass rush, him along with Brian Burns and so on. So I've been a little surprised by that. Now, listen, you get that kind of pass rush and you add Stefan Gilmore to your secondary. And, you know, I'd be surprised if another team scored 36 points on him like the Cowboys did uh, on Sunday. Carolina is a very in, in, intriguing team um, because. It was funny. They were 5-11 and 11 in what turned out to be Ron Rivera's last year. Remember, he got fired late in the year and so on. Yeah. Last year, they were 5-11, and 11, but they didn't feel like they were 5-11. and 11. And they did a lot of that 5-11 and 11 without Christian McCaffrey. And now they're doing it without him again. But I think they're a better overall football team. They're able to absorb the loss. And I think Sam Darnold comes in. They're still sloppy with the football. I mean, I think Sam only knows how to play one way. He was like that at USC. He was like that with the Jets. And you know, he's put the ball on turf four or five times already. Didn't lose them all, but he's still fumbling issue. And, um, you know, it, you look at that division where Tampa has been okay so far. They're 3-1, and one, but they've been okay. All right? Carolina was pretty impressive the first three weeks. Um, and even to a degree, kind of held their own against the Cowboys, um, you know, before things came out. But, but I think we're learning that Dallas can do that to a lot of different teams because of their firepower. So I would say the biggest surprise to me is, is Carolina's defense and, and specifically the pass rush. Russ, when, when you look at the Cowboys, and a lot of people hate on the Cowboys, a lot of people yes. hate on Dak Prescott, and, and Dak Prescott came from a really bad injury last year. A lot of people thought could be career-ending. Uh, coming back the way he did, I, I watched Hard Knocks. I, I look at his personality. His brother committed suicide last year. His mom died before he was even drafted into the NFL. He was drafted in, in, in the fourth round when Jared, Jared Goff was the number one pick and then Wentz was the number two pick. He's become the better quarterback out of all these other quarterbacks. Are you surprised that Dak Prescott, starting this season, has really taken this team to the next level? And do you think that this Cowboy team is for real? Well, on defense, I don't know how much better they are, okay? But I know that they're pretty opportunistic, okay? And if you can't stop anyone, you get at least learn how to take away the football. It was just Again, I was just writing this. And so on last year, the Cowboys gave up 34 touchdown passes and had only 10 picks, okay? This year, they've given up nine TD passes in four games, which is a pretty hefty total. They already have eight interceptions, um, and five of those are Trayvon Diggs. Unbelievable. Um, you know, so if you can do that, if you can take away the football, and we have seen that more be the case in the last decade or so when it comes to defenses winning Super Bowls. It's been less about – no, there are exceptions. The 2015 Broncos and the – two thousand actually, the 2013 Seahawks – could stop people and take away the football, which is what made them so impressive. But you look at other, like when the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010 with Aaron Rodgers, okay, at the quarterback spot, they had a pick six against Matt Ryan. 
They had a pick six against Caleb Haley. They had a pick six against Ben Roethlisberger. They had three pick sixes in the playoff game. In three playoff games, three straight playoff games. When the when the Ravens won the year that Joe Flacco threw 11 touchdown passes and zero interceptions, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. They had 10 takeaways in four games. So, you can't, you know, that's – if you again, if you can't stop someone – if, but if you can turn them over, that makes a huge difference. I go back to when the, you know, when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, and you know Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that, and uh, there's no knock on Brady's proven to be one of the most resilient players in the history of sports. Okay, their offensive unit against the Raiders, Steelers, and Rams in three playoff games scored three offensive touchdowns. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Their defense and special teams scored. Three offensive, uh, three touchdowns. Mm. Okay, and while Brady was Super Bowl MVP, and I always say if Adam Vinatieri had kicked a, another field goal in that game, he'd have been Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tom Brady got hurt in the AFC Championship game. He didn't throw a touchdown pass. Drew Bledsoe did. So, who really carried the Patriots to their first Super Bowl? Okay, Drew it was actually a complete team effort, which was actually pretty symbolic of them running out of the tunnel at the Super Bowl as a team that year. So that's, to me, that's the thing I enjoy about it. My favorite thing about football guys is that the ball is not round. Really <laughs> funny things. And deflection here, pick six here, scoop up a fumble here, decide not to run Marshawn Lynch and throw the ball there. <laughs> you know, take your pick, take your pick. It's, there's some funny things that happen. That's what makes the game great. Okay, I have to ask you, because you, you bring up all these different random concepts that come into to games with play calling, with situational football. I have to ask you mm-hmm. from an analytic standpoint. Errol and I have argued with this for years, since literally since I've joined the network. I'm one of the people with the Atlanta collapse that does not blame Kyle Shanahan as much as I blame the defense or Dan Quinn. And Errol is one of the popular ones that do blame him. What do you, what do you think about that, that whole thing, the whole play calling, all the circumstances, the situational football? What side are you on with that? Well, I'm a big believer in, you know, when I judge running games, to me, I'm, st- I'm old school in terms of the running game, okay? And to me, the carries are more important than the yards, okay? Let's go back to that Super Bowl. Now, if you remember early in the game, Devontae Freeman was having a field day uh-huh. against the Patriots defense, okay? In that Super Bowl, the page, think about that early in the game. In that Super Bowl, the Patriots and the Falcons both ran for the same amount of yards. Okay? Guess who had more running plays by the end of the game? The Patriots. The Patriots, not the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Because even though they were down, if you look in the third quarter, they were actually still running the football. Okay? Because that sets up your play-action passing. It keeps your team off the field. Uh, your defense off the field, I should say. Um, there, listen, when you blow a 25-point lead, there's a lot of play to go around. But I do know this. Kyle Shanahan watched the Patriots score the last 31 points of the game. And two years ago, he watched the Kansas City Chiefs score the <laughs> final 21 points of the game. That's right. So, um, And he also and he also had the best running uh, running game in all of football with San Francisco. Right. right. So, uh, listen, I'm not saying you, you get ultra conservative. You've got to keep things mixed up, but you can't abandon it 
altogether. The coach in the last 30 years it reminds me most is Mike Martz. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mike Martz, they would be down 10 nothing. He had to run the ball five times. He was done for the day as far as running the football. Okay? And it didn't work out because you, you just can't play like that. So I don't know if I necessarily answered your question. Um, but I think, I don't think, there's a lot to go around. When I think about that game, I think about Kyle Shanahan, but I also think about Devontae Freeman missing a block on Dante Hightower. Mm-hmm. That to me changed the entire momentum of the game. I think, I, and, when, I, and and by the way, when you give up, when you know a team needs a two point conversion and you give them twice, that's there. There's a lot to be said for that. So, I, I think you answered the question, and and I will I will say this over and over again. Uh, the reason why San Francisco didn't win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against Kansas City was because of Kyle Shanahan. And the reason why the Atlanta Falcons didn't win the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots when they were up by 20, 21 points in the fourth quarter. 25. 25. I'm sorry, 25 points. 25 in the third quarter. Yep. They stopped running the ball, and I said this to Speedy over and over again. I don't care what anybody says. Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive coordinator, but when it comes to putting it on his shoulders as a coach and as an offensive coordinator, I don't trust him. I also don't trust Sean McVay. As good as these offenses have been year in and year out, look what Sean McVay did against Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Absolutely abysmal. He was horrendous. And that has a lot to do with defensive-minded coaches when it comes to the big game and running the plays and doing the things that you need to do to win and then having these offensive coordinators that are all over the place and make decisions because they're offensive gurus and the game has completely changed to the offensive style of a game where they think they can change the game and change the way to win. And that doesn't work in the NFL. So... I, you, know, you know, it's funny. Remember earlier that year, and I heard a lot of people say, say it afterwards, that year you, the, the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the 13-3 Super Bowl. Horrendous, boring. A couple months, but remember a couple months before that, you were hearing Rams 54, Chiefs 51. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the future of the NFL. Okay, that Monday night game, that's the future of the NFL. It was in New Mexico, points. right? It was in New Mexico. I think that Mexico game was City. Mexico I think City. That game it was supposed to be and then got moved. I believe. No, it, they did play it in Mexico. It was City. In there Mexico. was another one that got moved. There was another one that got moved. I remember the game. Yep. Yeah. So that was the future of the NFL, and the future two months later was the Rams got a field goal, which has only happened twice in the history of the Super Bowl where a team was limited to three points, <laughs> and the other instance was way back in 1971. I think Zerline missed two field goals too. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was that. I mean, it was it was a semi semi snoozer mm. to say the least. The fact that they held New England at thirteen points and weren't able to beat them, um, you know, you think about the Super Bowls with New England and so on, and how they, for the most part, can't put points on the board, especially the latter versions against Seattle and against Atlanta <laughs> and so on. So, no, d- listen, defense, uh, they can change the rules, they can open things up. Um, they can do this and they can do that, but all those points don't mean anything if you can't stop the other team. And history just shows that, and history shows it in the modern era as well. I agree, and I and I think that with the way the game is transitioned and with these offensive young coordinators that we keep talking about and the McFays of the world, the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, the Matt LaFleur's of the world that choked in the playoffs last year. And I don't want to hear it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. That was the play calling of 
Matt LaFleur in the fourth quarter that cost them going to the Super Bowl. So I, I think these coaches that everybody keeps saying that they're quote-unquote geniuses, they play against these defensive guys like Bill Belichick. We've talked about it over and over again. And even Andy Reid. Andy Reid, look how long it took him to win a Super Bowl until he figured mm-hmm. it out. He couldn't beat Bill Belichick if he threw him a, a curveball. Okay, so I, these... Young offensive coordinators, as good as offense and, and, and as, as offense has completely changed the game of the NFL into a speed game with the quarterbacks and 50-point games and stuff like that. And, it, and it's, it's, it's helping fantasy sports, which, which the NFL and Roger Goodell loves because it's putting money in their pocket and making these players superstars. My last question for you, when you look at these quarterbacks now, you heard Deshaun Watson, who could be looking for a new team next year if he can get out of the trouble that he's in. Russell Wilson, yeah. there are stories coming out that he doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. Pete Carroll's getting old. They're not getting along over there. And, and obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who this could be the last year for him and the Green Bay Packers to make the run because Devontae Adams might be going to Oakland or Las Vegas or wherever. I mean, are you surprised that these big-name quarterbacks could be looking for a new team and a new place to play next year? Um, like I said, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. And, and, and we, we see this – we've seen this even before the era of free agency where, you know, big-name players, quarterbacks especially, wind up in different places as a team moves on and so on. We saw Joe Montana – wound up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Johnny Unitas wound up with the San Diego Chargers. Joe Namath wound up with the Los Angeles Rams. And it, it's not just the quarterback position. You think about some of the other great players in the league. Who, whoever thought that Jerry Rice would get phased out in San Francisco, okay, in favor of Terrell Owens. And then, of course, he goes on with the Raiders, actually appeared in the Super Bowl with the Raiders. Yep. So, um by the way, I can confirm that Pete Carroll is getting old because if you're alive, everyone is getting old. Okay? The, alternative, the alternative of getting old is not getting old, and we won't go into that. Well, he's okay? as old as so, dirt. I understand, I understand you, old er. That's that's you see, it's funny, Earl. That's how I refer to myself. Old hyphen er. I'm old hyphen er. Uh, you know, it's funny. You think about this now. Russell Wilson, who's never missed a game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's his 10th year in the league already. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you really think about that. This is his 10th year in the league. And hopefully he'll get some good pass. But he's playing his favorite team tomorrow night, mm-hmm. the Rams, mm-hmm. who have spent a little funny, funny stat. 19 games, including the playoffs. Russell Wilson's been sacked 77 times by the Rams. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's four, that's four a game. Russell Wilson, by the way, uh, sacked 33 times as a rookie. Um, every year since then, not including this year because the year's not over, sacked at least 40 times in eight straight years. So he's taken a little bit of a beating as well. You know, some of that's self-induced. When you run around like they do, like Ben Roethlisberger and his scrambling, um, which it's, he was more footwork than anything else. Russell Wilson you know, can run. He can also scramble. And so on. But listen, you're fair game, unfortunately. And those hits take their tolls. But no, I'm not surprised because we are in an era now of free agency, you know, for like the last 30 years. Remember, for 70 years, the NFL didn't have free agency. So now I think you see even teams more willing to move on. And 
And as we see the involvement of the younger quarterbacks, especially the mobile quarterbacks, um, you know, everybody wants that shiny new toy. So, and if you can still, and you keep in mind that when you have quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers who can play for a long period of time, you can actually move on from them and maybe get something from them for them because they still have a lot, you know, Tom Brady's, the exception to the rule, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, the hall of fame might be closed by the time he gets inducted. Okay. Um, but he will the be the hall of fame by the time he gets there. You know, this whole separate. Know, have you, guys ever, have you guys ever been to Canton, by the way? I have. I have. Yes, I have. Uh, what, yeah. Isn't it great? It's beautiful. I've been going for about 30 years. We were, it was so good. We, I, when I was there with my family like eight years ago, we didn't even get to see all of it because it had to close at that point. It was so good. All the stuff we saw was re- remarkable. It's huge. And, no, and it's yeah, beautiful. No. And now, and, and eight, eight years later, you know, they've got a lot more stuff built up and they've redone the stadium and, and all that. So it's, I was there this year and so on. It, nobody was there last year because of COVID, but this past year, it was a great time and so on. So we'll we'll see. I I guess I'm not surprised. Um, And, you know, be it player empowerment or just, Hmm. um, you know, we're getting to a, you know, we have seen over the last couple of years, some veteran quarterbacks, Eli retired and Phillip Rivers retired Mm -hmm. and Drew Brees retired. We're in a little bit of a a semi-transition year. We don't know when Brady's going to retire. I'm <laughs> still waiting for Aaron. I'm still waiting for Aaron Rodgers to throw 100 interceptions. By the way, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that's one of my. That's one of my favorite. Think about. He has thrown 420 touchdown passes and 91 picks. It's unbelievable. He is. I, I think people forget how great he is. And if you look at his numbers and you compare him to the greats, the Tom Brady's, and I've said this over yeah. and over again because I am not. I, I. It's not that I'm an Aaron Rodgers lover. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers and you compare them to the greats, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, they're not even close. That's how good Aaron Rodgers is. It's not yeah. even close. He just can't stay healthy. But his ability and what he does and how great is as, as a player and on the way he does it, it's phenomenal. He, he's, he takes it to a whole nother level. There are two guys who threw the football. Uh, I mean, Warren Moon threw the tightest spiral I ever saw. Okay, Marino came in with a flick of a wrist and his release. But Aaron throws a football different than any person I've ever seen. And the combination of being able to do that with his accuracy is almost mind boggling. Mm. And for people who think he has bad playoff games, he actually has pretty good stats in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, the the guys who try to stop the other team, Aaron Rodgers has lost some high scoring playoff games. In fact, I can't say it's not his fault. He was on the wrong end of the highest scoring playoff game mm-hmm. in the NFL. 51-45 with the Cardinals. 51-45. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was his fumble that he kicked up in the air that Carlos Dansby grabbed yeah. and ran into the end zone. That turned out to be the, the, the game. But he, he had a phenomenal game up until then. So yeah. that was actually his first playoff game. So one more question for me while we're on the topic of Hall of Fame. Uh, we've seen these players now, a lot of top players retire earlier than expected, seven, eight years in the league, where normally you would see them play 10 at least or even more than that. Guys like Calvin Johnson got inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Patrick Willis just retired recently. Luke Kuechly, yep. Marshawn Lynch, guys that were top at their position and didn't play as long as they could have. And we say the Hall of Fame do that with Calvin Johnson now, let them in. Do you think 
it'll be more flexible with the years they come into the Hall of Fame as a result? Do you think they'll change the criteria before because of that? And also, could you see that kind of thing be more of a popular trend like Calvin Johnson did? Yeah, I, I could see it being more of a popular trend. And I think, uh, you know, the voters are going to have to keep an eye on that as well. If anything, to me, needs to change when it comes to the Hall of Fame, it's it's the older players, the veteran players, the ones that have, you know, once a year, I mean, this year it's Cliff Branch. Thank goodness. He's a guy I've written about for an awfully long time, but why aren't there more senior nominees in one year? Why is it one per year? You know, the NFL, I'm not the NFL. The NFL does not run the pro football hall of fame. I got to make that clear because when someone doesn't get in, well, the NFL doesn't like this. And the NFL doesn't run the pro they're their own separate organization. Okay, they support the Hall of Fame, but they don't run the Hall of Fame. They, they, it's not their vote. In fact, the Hall of Fame has Hall of Famers on their voting committee now. They mm-hmm. have Tony Dungy and they have Dan Fouts and James Lofton and all that. But in any case, to answer your question, yeah, I think they and they've done some adjusting over the years and so on. And I know I know a lot of the voters, um, you know, going out there and and you know either working on them when I was at ESPN or so on. Um, and they do make, but I think the adjustment has to come with the veterans committee stuff, the senior committee stuff. And again, we now have a contributor and a coach and a player nominated every year along with the modern day guys. But you, you bring up a great point. These guys who have outstanding careers, because what's the first thing you hear when someone doesn't play a long time? Well, ter- Terrell Davis didn't play a long time. Dwight Stevenson didn't play a long time. Gail Sayers is the number one. You know, mm-hmm. someone's had their career. You know, to me, the Hall of Fame is, is sustained excellence um, over a long period of time. But there are exceptions. When you look at Gail Sayers, I, you know, I defy you to say, wow. OK, now I know people like to bring up Bo Jackson, but that was a really short mm. tenure of work. OK, so um no, it's great. I, I could t- listen. We could do five hours on the Hall of Fame. As Absolutely. As <laughs> okay. So, uh, but no, you bring up a great point. And and when you said that, um, Patrick Willis is the first name that came to mind mm. of the guys lately. I mean, you know, Calvin. You know, Calvin. I think people were a little surprised. That Julian Calvin Edelman too. Julian Edelman you know, too. I know he has all the postseason catches, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they judge him. In terms of the regular season performances as well, because that play that plays a part of it. So, and I guess I'm not sure. And Brady's going to get in. Um, by the <laughs> way, if you, if, if you don't, if you doubt that Rob Kronkowski's not going to get in, then I don't know what you've been watching. I mean, he's one of the most dominant players right. ever. He runs, he blocks. Yeah. You know, he's climbing. I don't know if people realize he's climbing up the all-time touchdown pass list mm-hmm. in terms of touchdown receptions. You know. I think he's got like um, you know, 92. Antonio, Antonio Gates holds the record. Tony Gonzalez is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gronk is Gronk makes the most of his opportunities. I'll say that. Yeah, especially with his mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and his party boat. <laughs> Anyways, Russ, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Backs Football Guru on Twitter. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram. Uh, me and my partner, Julie Voigt, do... Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a while, but, uh, you know, we're hopefully to gearing up. But we've been writing some columns. We're on full press coverage on ProFootballGuru.com. Um, I'm on fan side at NFL Spin Zone. 
um, <laughs> doing some stuff with Stat Factor now as well. Jets at X Factor. I do some historic stuff for them. But I tell people, you know, if you want to get what I do, just follow Backs Football Guru, because whether you like it or not, I'm going to tweet it to you. Well, so. you get to go into Jets football history. Oh, please don't! I mean, I'm a Jet fan, so <laughs> I just got, not I much just history got there. About the, the Jets Houston Oilers playoff game in 1991. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Al Toon didn't score a touchdown all year. He finally got one in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, they we really remember did. all the great times for the Jets, even '98. Lovely. <laughs> well, somewhere down the road, I'll, I'll bring up somewhere down the road, they don't play them until week 17. Mm. I know I'm going to be writing about the Keyshawn Johnson Jets Buccaneers game mm. when when Keyshawn met the Jets for the first time after he was dealt. Mm. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember. Mr. <laughs> Flashlight. Uh, I uh, like taking shots at Wayne Krebet. By the way, Wayne Krebet, he looks horrible. I, I saw him at, uh, uh, at yeah, last week. Uh, they had pictures of him and, and Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin looks like he, he looks like he did when he was 21 years old. He was, yeah. He, yeah. It's unbelievable. He looks so young, looks so good and healthy. I, I've done a bunch of concussion uh, things with him. But uh, Wayne Cabet looks horrible. I mean, he looks like he's like seventy years old. He looks terrible. I, it's it's when unbelievable. I think of Curtis Martin. When I think of Curtis Martin, I think of Coach Parcells. Yeah. Um, and their relationship and so on. I I, I worked with Bill um, for a number of years at ESPN. I I, I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the respect that he had for Curtis and so on. Curtis was I know a person that Bill even admired, and I remember Curtis's Hall of Fame speech, mm-hmm. which was riveting because you know he talked about how important life was and his mother and and the stuff that he went through when he was a kid and overcame a lot to get where he got and so on. His perspective on life is amazing. he didn't want to play football. He can't. I, no. I, I've heard it so many times. He yeah. never wanted to play football. His mother forced him to play football so he can stay away from the drug dealing. I mean, he walked into his, his grandma being stabbed to death. I mean, oh, wow. the, the crazy stories that he told and, and the trials and tribulations he had to go through as not only as a football player, but as a human being and, yes. and, and, and where he has gotten and, and how, uh, how he's one of the top five top six running backs of all time. People forget how special Curtis Martin was. Well, didn't you find it ironic that he slipped to the third round mm-hmm. because of the injuries, and then yet when he got in the pros, he basically didn't miss a game. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Funny how those things happen, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And the stories, I remember the Oakland Raiders story that he told me. Uh, he, told, he, he, he loves bringing it up that he, 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 when he was going into the – when he was walking through and he had a concussion in the third quarter and he was getting into the huddle and Testaverde said that you're bleeding through your nose and he's, uh, he didn't even know where he was and he still played. It, it's, it, it's, it's an unbelievable story. Curtis Martin is one of the nicest, friendliest people you'll ever meet and the, uh, the stories that he tells is just fantastic. He, he's a special yeah. guy. Really, really special guy. This was a lot of fun tonight, guys, by the way. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. We really appreciate you joining us. We'll love to get you on again, my friends. All right. Well, I'm not busy in 20 minutes. Do you just want to call back? (laughs) (laughs) You got some jokes for us. (laughs) I always always have jokes. Now they're called dad jokes, but I always have jokes. Well, you should be (laughs) listening to our show because we're as crazy as they can be. So... Uh, we just loved interviewing uh, 
really good people and, and people that know what they're talking about. We had you. We had actually Jason uh, Hirshhorn, who is an award-winning writer, uh, very, very good kid, and, and, and we're very excited for tomorrow's guest that we have. We really appreciate you joining us, uh, Russ. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. As you guys know, we were just talking to the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter. Uh, great, great guy. And, and by the way, Mark Everett Kelly's good friend, and Mark, he talks about him all the time. And when Speedy told me we were going to get Russ on the show, this is the first time we've had Russ on a show, uh, I was very excited because, uh, you know, Mark uh, talks very, very highly of what Russ has done in the business, not only for ESPN, but uh, obviously what he does for ProFootballGuru.com. All right. So I'm not even going to go to a break, okay, because I, 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 I want to get into this week four football. And, and, I, and I know a lot of people, we were talking about what we saw with Tennessee and, and the Jets. And, and, and you know what's really, really funny about the Jet fans? And, I, and I'm going to take – and I, I'm, go, I'm going to come from the heart because I am a Jet fan. But I'm an honest Jet fan. And the Jet fan over the last couple of weeks has been sticking up for Zach Wilson. Some, some of them, most of them. And then last week happened. And last week – I'm not talking about this week when he won the game against Tennessee. The week before that where he looked horrible. And he looked dreadful. Yeah, the Bronco game. Yeah, and everybody was throwing him under the bus, giving up on him. Did you Did you see what Sam Donald did with the Carolina Panthers? Uh, we heard this over and over again. And, I, and I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say it again. I didn't want the Jets to trade Sam Donald. I wanted them to keep Sam. I think they could have won with Sam. They didn't need Zach. But what Zach does good in games is understand that if he moves out of the pocket, he can make throws that nobody can make. And what you saw on Sunday afternoon was Zach Wilson make these unbelievable, fantastic throws in the open field to Corey Davis, obviously, uh, what's his name again? Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole and, and the players that they had. What really bothers me about Michael LaFleur, and I'm going to say this because I, I, I just... I don't know if he knows what his ass is from his tailbone. I, it, I'm not going to give Michael LaFleur any credit of the play calling and the audibles of Zach Wilson rolling out making those throws because it wasn't anything to do with Michael LaFleur. Now, I understand Michael LaFleur is a rookie offensive coordinator and what we heard, obviously, Jason Hirshhorn, who loves Michael LaFleur. It sounded like he really likes him and he thinks that, that in year two, you're going to see the difference in the offense and how Zach understands the offense. What I didn't like about the offense and what I don't like about the offense is the offensive line is not protecting Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has been sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL in the first four weeks, which is almost 19 times. You can't win as a rookie quarterback in the pocket when your offensive line can't protect you. And me, who is a Jet fan, who stuck up for the moves that obviously Joe Douglas did in the offseason, bringing Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker has not looked good. The only player that has actually looked good of the offensive lineman that uh, Joe Douglas has brought in the last two years is George Font. And they wanted to, and a lot of people thought they were going to drop George Font before the season started. He is the only offensive lineman that has played well. They can run the ball, let's be honest. I, the Jets haven't run over 150 yards in not one game this year yet. 
Not one game this year they've ran over 150 yards. Now, they are running 4.6, I think it's 4.5 or 4.6, which is more than, you know, obviously, obviously an average running team in the NFL. But the problem is, is they don't run enough. They give up on the throw because they fall behind too quickly. And, and, and then they force this kid to stand in the pocket and get killed. And how do you expect this young kid to survive? He's not Sam Donald. Sam Donald's built like an ox. Okay, he's six foot three. He's built like a linebacker because he was a linebacker when he went to play college football. He, he, he really was a linebacker in high school. Zach Wilson is not that big. And he's getting killed behind the line of scrimmage. Now, I understand that when, when you hear the Jet fan, the Jet fan just wants to look past it. They were, oh, did you see what Zach Wilson did against Tennessee? The reason why they won the game on Sunday afternoon was because of their defense. Quincy Williams was all over the place. Who would have thought mm-hmm. a five foot ten linebacker who the Jets brought in, in you know, obviously because he got dropped by the Jacksonville Jaguars, right. they brought him in. Who would have thought that Quincy Williams was going to be a superstar linebacker? Okay, he looked unbelievable on Sunday against a very good Tennessee Titans offensive line. He looked unbelievable. Okay, Quinton Williams slowly but surely is getting his feet under him. And as the weeks go by, you saw in the last three weeks, he had one sack, then he had one and a half sacks, and then this week he had two sacks. Slowly but surely, his defensive prowess and what he does at the defensive line, he's becoming a dominant force for the New York Jets, which is a good sign for the defense. Then you hear about Marcus May, and we don't know if Marcus May is even going to play this year now after the situation that happened in Florida, and everybody Mm -hmm. forgot about that. I really believe the reason why he is going to be out for the next three or four weeks is because he he knew that he had to take care of this problem. And even if he gets out of this trouble, the NFL is going to suspend him for three or four games. So let's say we won't see Marcus May until week 14, week 15. So we're not going to see. And with the safety problems that the Jets have at that position, what are they going to depend on? Ashton Davis to be the superstar safety that they drafted last year in the fourth round? Yeah, they don't have LaMarcus Joyner either. That doesn't no. <laughs> Who couldn't stand he- stay healthy anywhere. Now, granted, I thought he was better as a slot corner anyway, but still, at this point, I mean, you have to try something as a, as a safety. <laughs> I, I mean, and this secondary, the Jets secondary that has looked sensational, I mean, this yeah. rookie secondary has really stood out, and these are Players that they drafted in the third, fourth, I mean, not even the third, fourth, I'm sorry, fifth, sixth, and seventh round of last year's draft, I mean, they have stood out. They really have. Now, again, I see uh, what uh, Snug says. So by the end of the year, he will be getting 8.5 sacks a game. That would be quite a pace. Who are you talking about? Quinn Williams, because you said one, he's got one sack and one and a half than two. No, what, so he's going to progressively go up. He's going to, every, as, as the weeks go by, you're going to see that Quinn Williams is going to get better and better. And he's going to understand the offense. I think Quinn Williams will have, by the end of the season, 11 or 12 sacks. I, I think he's a pro ball player. I, I think he, he's going to get better in this offense. You're going to see the dominant force that he is at the line of scrimmage. And, and by the way, C.J. Wilson. I mean, C.J. Mosley. Now, uh, hopefully uh, you know, tomorrow we're going to have Lyle call up the show. Uh, we went back and forth on social media. He says that C.J. Mosley is overrated. Okay. Now, uh, my answer to him, I went back at him, and we went, we, there was a back and forth banter. I think he's out of his mind. Because what C.J. Mosley has done in the last three weeks, tell me how many linebackers 
in three weeks averaged almost almost 31 tackles, okay? 31 tackles. One guy. One guy. 31 tackles. Now, I, I don't know what C.J. Mosley is until the season is over, and I don't know if he's a top five middle linebacker yet anymore. Even if he's know. not, he's top ten. <laughs> I, 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 the fact that somebody would say that he's overrated, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's not because he got necessarily drastically worse. It's other, other guys got better. Guys like Eric Kendricks on the Vikings, Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, Deion Jones. Guys got better, too. There's a lot of good young middle linebackers in this league. It's not just C.J. Mosley getting hurt. I just think that when, when you think of where the Jets are, it, it, it's, it's not because of the defense on why the Jets are losing. a matter of fact, uh, after this week in the seven sacks, when was the last time you've seen a Jets team have seven sacks in a game? Yeah. When was the last time you've seen that? That's rare in the league as a whole. <laughs> okay. When was the last time you've seen that? I have no okay. idea. We should have, so, asked, we should have asked Russell that. He probably knows. Not many times. I don't remember the last time I've seen, I remember a Jets team having seven sacks in a game. I remember a Giants team doing it. Yep. Never seen, I never remember a Jets team doing it. So what the Jets did on Sunday was definitely something that stood out. And that might have a lot to do with Robert Sala. And the Jets defense going into this week is ranked eighth in all of football. That's saying a lot about what Robert Soller has brought to the table. Now, is Robert Soller a full-time, all-around head coach? Only time will tell if Robert Sala can coach a full football team and take this football team to the next level. I don't know. And, and this offense has a lot more to go and a lot more to prove to prove that this team could be an offensive style of game and the Jets could be thought of as not, I wouldn't say, a top 10 offense, but even if they're a top 12, top 11, or 13th offense in all of football, you can win with a top-end defense like that. Sam uh, Stuck says, Sam Darnold is looking more and more like the one who got away. Lyle's calling, I can't wait. And Lyle is the Long Island Oracle of sports truth. And Jeff also says, Tom Brady is the greatest, just stop, and Edelman. And speaking of Jeff, we have him for round two. What's up, Jeff? Look, man, I'm all for you Jeff fans being optimistic. because I I'm not being optimistic. I'm, I, I'm just telling the you, truth. Listen, I, I just think that you have a lot to be optimistic about. Zach Wilson is slowly improving. It's still early in his young career. No one should be trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one. But let's be honest. Mm -hmm. There's only one reason you won that game. It's because the Titans tried to forfeit. (laughs) No A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones, no Bud Dupree, no Laurel Williams, uh, no Caleb Farley. Let's be honest. You played against two scarecrows in a garden gnome. Well, Farley wasn't supposed to be back yet. I think his, his, his timetable is week six or something like that. Right. But they, they, you, you played a college team. Good for you for winning. I don't know That's if they played enough. a college team, but they, they played a team that was missing certain players. AJ Brown that, and do they, win that, do they win that football game, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? Probably not. Pro- probably, probably not. Probably not. That's why, that's why you won. The Titans That's handed fine. you a win. They said, we feel bad for you. We think we can beat you with third stringers. And by the way, the, the, the Jets still almost blew it. How you don't get in with three shots from the one-yard line in overtime is beyond that me. That third down play call was terrible. It so. was terrible. That, that was, was Mike LaFleur. And Mike LaFleur, I'm going to say it again. I, I loved our interview with uh, Jason Hirshhorn, but he loves Mike LaFleur. He, he spoke so highly of Mike LaFleur. What has Mike and LaFleur I, done I since— with it, Russell. And I disagree with Russell. I think I should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> well, he was just kidding around, first of all. But uh, I, I, I think what we saw with the New York Jets on Sunday is they, they have heart. 
and they're playing for their coach. I even the after the game, what what the Robert Sala has said, and even and and by the way, why is Woody Johnson speaking? Oh, this is the greatest time of my life. You said that with Rex Ryan. Give me a break. <laughs> Everything is the greatest time of your life. Give me a break. Well, it was great with Rex Ryan up until he found out he liked Steve. And then he was probably embarrassed. I, I mean, come on, man. I mean, every single time he speaks, he makes me throw up. Oh, listen, the guy's trying to be optimistic, man. Let the guy try to be optimistic. I don't hate Jets fans for trying to be optimistic. Here. There's a lot there to like, right? It, it, Ty Beckton could be a star in the future as well as Vera Tucker. You know, they're still young. There's still plenty of time to grow there. Zach Wilson, the whole thing. The future is looking better and better. They still have a ton of draft picks. But just be honest, the Titans forfeited. <laughs> Well, let's see the Jets go into England this week and knock off the Atlanta Falcons. It's not going to be an easy that's game. Where they, but that's where a team like this belongs. A team that you have to get, that you're celebrating a forfeit win, export them to another country. Just keep them over there. Let them stay in <laughs> London and be the first franchise in Europe. That's what they should do. That would be a lot of travel lag if that were to happen. Um, I think that if the Jets could somehow pull off a win against the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, that puts them well, two the and three. also stink, but you guys are going to get beat by Atlanta. They could be. They and could they be. could very much so. But if they can come out a winner over there and win two games in a row, I mean, going into their bye week, uh, they're two and three. The problem is Arthur Smith's had similar problems like Mike LaFleur. I don't know what he's doing with this offense. It seems like he doesn't know how to use certain players the right way. And Mike LaFleur, I think the problem with him is he's rotating a lot of guys too much. He's trying to be a little too cute with an offense that has struggled. And Arthur Smith, I don't know what he's doing with Calvin Ridley, using him in a lot of short passes. Kyle Pitts, he's not spreading him around enough. I thought he was going to use him more as a wide receiver, especially outside like he's done, and they haven't done that. And I'll give him credit for Cordero Patterson. He rebirthed him into, I don't know what he is now. He's been fantastic, but that's really been the only bright spot. And a lot of these guys that are disciples of these Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan offenses, maybe they try to get these two cute at once, and maybe that's a big problem with why a lot of these guys have struggled. Zach Taylor, the same thing with the Bengals. First year, he was abysmal. Even last year at certain points, even though Burrow played well, a lot of his play calling was suspect. Now it's good this year, so maybe it's only a matter of time. But, I mean, the way they're rotating these guys with the Jets when a lot of guys have struggled is questionable. And, and let's, talk about, let's talk about the marketing uh, mishap by the NFL here, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. How is, how is this game in London not being sp- sponsored by Waste Management? These are the two <laughs> best teams that you can go to London? Trash? Absolute trash? Well, they, they're the this only... should be the Waste Management Bowl. They do this all the time. Every time they have these English England games, none of the teams are good. So... Most of the time it's the Jaguars, anyway, who are the biggest <laughs> epitome of trash. I mean, it's the Jaguars, the Atlanta Falcons, the Raiders, the Rams, the Bengals. Bad, yeah. I mean... Can we not get Waste Management to sponsor this game? <laughs> Waste match. It's the absolute trash bowl. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who I was the very imp- home of recycled coaches. You know who I was very impressed with uh, in week uh, week four, and, and I think it was the Bengals that really stood out to me. Uh, I was re- very impressed. Now they beat the Jaguars, and and I and by the way. Trevor Lawrence. You, you looked, always pick the worst ones. No, but I'm being you serious. Pick the worst ones. I I really like what I see with the Bengals. First of all, they're three know, they three one. They laid an egg in the first in the first half. They did. Super impressive. They did. But what it's impressive of what they did in the second half of the game and how they ran the ball, how they played the game. You realize they were playing the Jaguars, right? That, I, and I, Urban Meyer was yes. dreaming of lap dancing. Yeah. I, <laughs> by the way, that's a great story. That is a really great story. I'm surprised Urban Meyer didn't lose his job already. I was. 
I was dying for him to sniff his finger after that. <laughs> well, I wonder what his wife is thinking. I mean, oh, serious. Dude, dude, did you see the tweets? <laughs> no, no, I have. What, what his the, wife like? What he? His wife liked one of the uh, the posts with her, or something dude, like that the, too. The, the wife. So he's out doing his thing, and this girl's posting. Oh, this guy's hitting on me. Who is this? Blah blah blah. Right. And then the meanwhile, three minutes after that, the wife was tweeting out about, "Oh, we're taking care of the grandkids, getting ready for bedtime, and the whole like she's home with the grandkids, taking care of them, and he's out trying to pound coeds." <laughs> it's crazy, and, and how he has a job still is. But I, I, I love what the owner said. I love that he he. He he really uh, reprimanded Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer. I mean, did he? Is it really a big deal? <sighs> be honest. Is it really like? Can, can we just be honest for like ten seconds here? Seriously, is it really that big of a deal? You, you think he's the first coach to cheat on his wife? You think he's like the first dude out there that's been in a bar? Like, and it, is it really all that big of a sin? They played a Thursday night game. They have the next couple of days off. You know, and they don't play for 10 days. So is it really affecting the football? It's no. not affecting the football. But for a guy that <clears throat> took a team, spent a lot of money this offseason to free agency, and then drafted the way he did, let's be honest. This is not – it hasn't been a very good season. And, 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 and Trevor Lawrence, the growth of Trevor Lawrence, uh, as well as – and I don't, I don't give Urban Meyer any credit for Trevor Lawrence and what he did in week four. I think right. it's just – what Trevor Lawrence could do on the field is special. Trevor Lawrence is terrific. Yeah, he, he's special. So it has nothing to do with Urban Meyer. I, I think know he's Urban, your third-best quarterback from this draft. I, I think Urban – yes, he is. But Urban Meyer, he absolutely could ruin this kid because of his stupidity. And I, I just I, – I, I like Urban Meyer. I think he's a great college coach. But I mean, to come into the NFL and do what you did. Maybe he's smart like a fox man. Maybe he's trying to get out so he can go to USC because if they fire him – they still have to pay him, mm. and then he can double dip at USC. Could happen. I mean, <laughs> double dip in more ways than one. You know, we, we, hey, we, Speedy hey. with the jokes. Good for you, buddy. Uh, we we all remember our top end. Uh, a uh, college coach that got a job, aka Nick Saban. How long did he last over there with Miami? So, I mean, uh, he's not the only one. Does anyone remember Bobby Petrino? Oh God, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was probably one of the worst ones ever. Mm-hmm. Of which time? The first time he was at Louisville, the time he was coaching the Falcons, or the second time he was at Louisville. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, uh, and listen, I, I don't really care what Urban Meyer does behind closed doors. I could care less, but it's the way you do it, and it's the way you put yourself out there. And you know once the press gets something, they're going to eat you up a lot. he wasn't putting himself out there, and by the way, he was at his own restaurant. That's Urban Meyer's pint house. Mm. Well, he's been pining and, and doing whatever he's doing over there with women. So, well, right, but he—I mean, he's not the one putting it on. Listen, he's not Antonio Brown, uh, but putting himself on IG Live and you know whatever. Like, you know, people are out to get you all the time. He wasn't trying to flaunt it. He was just trying to have a couple of beers in his own restaurant. Mm. Do you do you believe in this San Francisco 49ers team? Because I think Jimmy, no. Gar- I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has. I think he lost his job. I, I really do. Now, I, I, I don't think Lance, uh, that Trey Lance looked any better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But the, the fact that uh, Kyle Shanahan pulled him steal. in the third. What, what steal were you talking about? What a steal that was by Belly. Belly? Who, who the Cody Bellinger. Bellinger. Oh, oh, okay, okay, gotcha. 
Um, and that, and that's why that's why it's so surprising to me as well. Like you're like, oh, you know who uh, looks really good? Cincinnati. No, you want to know who looked good? That's also a surprise. Show me one person that was like, you know what? Arizona's going to go into hell. <laughs> I did. I thought Arizona was going to be undefeated for the first five weeks. And I, I think they're going to be undefeated this week going I mean, into this week, too. I mean, L.A. was beating everybody. And by the way, they beat a good team. Like, you know, it, it, Jacksonville's not a good team. So it's like, okay, you can like what Cincinnati did. But isn't what the Cardinals did to the Rams more impressive? But no, because well, it's also a compilation of what they did to the Steelers, too. Not that the Steelers are great either, but they've always had trouble with them, too. I just I like what I see with this Bengals team. I like what Joe Burrow has done. I think he, he's a born leader. I, I, and when you think of the story with Joe Bur- Burrow, when he, he, was tra- he was a transfer from Ohio State, and he goes over to LSU and then wins a national championship the way he does, and then goes wins a Heisman Trophy, and then goes as the number one pick, who would have thought that Joe Burrows, and then have a significant injury that he did last year, middle of the season, and a lot of people, and he come back as fast as he does, and they're 3-1. and one. I, It's pretty impressive what the Bengals are doing right now. I mean, who would have thought that? They're plenty impressive, but what Arizona's doing is more impressive. Undefeated Sorry. and in a tough division. Yeah, and I, I that's listen. A, that's a way better division than that crappy AFC North with that fat pig Roethlisberger getting worse every week. <laughs> fat pig Roethlisberger. <laughs> I, 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 I will say this. I'm very surprised when, when you look at – when we were talking about – now, what, are the Dolphins that much better? When you when you look at the Dolphins right now, are they worse knowing that Tua is not in the lineup? I I wouldn't have thought that. And 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 when you look at the team right worse. now, they're not worse. No, dude, they're not worse. They they have they had a little bit of trouble moving the ball, but they're better off without Hawaiian Tebow. Oh, I think so too. But being that they're one and three, no one would have thought that their season would have been. One in three in the first four games. Well, they have a lot of other issues, too. It's not just the p- passing game that's been bad for Miami. They've had trouble stopping the run this year. They've had trouble roughing, rough, rushing the passer. And their running backs haven't been good either. Their offensive line's had a lot of trouble. Really, the only thing that's good for them is their secondary, which we expect them to be good, and that's really Let's it. be honest. The only win that they got was a gift because the Patriots couldn't hold on to the football. <laughs> that's okay, fair. That's, that's fair. That's more, that's more Patriots' mistakes than good Dolphin football. That's fair. And the Patriots are making a shit ton of mistakes right now. They're they're making a lot of mistakes, but you want, and they should have won right, that game against the, the. I think they should have beaten the Buccaneers. I think they outplayed the they Buccaneers. They should have beaten the Buccaneers. They should have beaten the Saints because that wasn't out of control either. And not for nothing, they're they're a uh, they're six inches from beating Tampa mm-hmm. that that ball hit the goalpost. That had plenty of leg. That yep. was in. No, I I said it. I, I I was very surprised. By the way, that was a boring game. That t- Buccaneers. Oh, you you think everything? That was a boring game. I I couldn't after the third quarter. I couldn't watch anymore. This is the problem with people, right? And and I'm considering you part of the problem. Okay. We, no one appreciates defense. I appreciate. What are you talking about? I appreciate you defense. Had, you just had Russell go. Oh, a snoozer of a Super Bowl. Rams and Patriots. Come on. No, this is the problem Jeff. Besides, with life, right? but but besides Matt Judon in that game, what defense stood out? What defense stood out? Let's be honest. The Patriots' defense did not stand. Matt Judon was all over the field. Besides him, he's terrific. Hey, he he was unbelievable. 
Matt Judon was unbelievable. He got held on every play, and they refused to call him out. He was unbelievable. Besides him, what really stood out to you when it came to the Patriots' defense? Nothing. J.C. JC Jackson? Oh, Dude, J.C. Jackson locked down Mike Evans. And if that had been a Jet, that's all you would, would be talking about. Are you kidding oh me? That's not true. That's not Who true. had most of the coverage on Godwin? Because they did a nice job on him, too. He only had the two long catches, and that was right. Let me, let me, let, was, first of all, Green for, 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 first of all, and I, I, and for a person that is a Jet fan, Bryce Hall has been one of the best corners in the league in the first four weeks. Go look at the number. The I'm just saying, did you ever hear me they talk about, have you ever even talked, have you ever even heard me spoke about Bryce Hall Georgia ever? Georgia could beat the Jets. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, Bryce Hall has been one of the best corners in all of football, and you never hear me talk about Bryce Hall. Never. I've not spoken about Bryce Hall at all yet this season. And And Bryce Hall. That's fine. But Bryce Hall has been one of the best corners in all of football. That numbers will show you that. Great. Does he get a participation trophy now? That has nothing to do with it. But you, you said if he was a Jet. I have not even... Speedy, have you ever heard me any on, was, on these shows? I think only the weekend crunch. I have times. never spoke right, any... There was good defense all over that Patriots-Bucks game, right? Mac Jones threw an intercept. How about the How about the hit? I think it was Devin White with the hit on J.J. Taylor to force that fumble. Another good hit. Yeah, People it don't was recognize Devin defense. Yeah, that was Devin White. <laughs> Who, by the way, I told you was going to be a stud, and then you were like, the guy I like more is Jonathan Jones. Where is he now? Nowhere. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah. Nowhere. But when, when you think. He's when, a fart in the wind. He's <laughs> a fart in the wind. When, when you think of weak. And by the way, uh, the Chicago Bears have come out and said that Justin Fields is the starter for the rest there of the season. There you go, I'm Carl, not surprised. You can rejoice. I'm not surprised. I mean, seriously, because their coach is going to be fired I at the end surprised. of the year. When was the last time you seen Matt Nagy make the right decision? Well, <laughs> true. Well, Matt Nagy, is, he's an idiot. He puts this kid into getting killed. I mean, Justin Fields looked like he was going to get killed last week, even against the Carl Lions. Should be, Carl should be rejoicing. He should be rooting for every Bears loss this season. But Fields take a beating so they can get Eric the enemy and then a top pick. Nope, the Giants have their pick this year. Oh, no, really? Yes, they do. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, because they moved up for Justin Fields. All right, then I hope the Bears go on a run. (laughs) Well, they're 2-2. and Yeah, and then the Giants will shoot themselves for not drafting Justin Fields. That'll be the storyline. I mean, they're 2-2, and and some of the main reasons why they're 2-2 and is because of Justin Fields. Oh, sure. I mean, that's not saying much because the Bears' schedule has been very uh, easy in my eyes. But uh, I think that when you think of what Justin Fields has done so far is – the, the one thing I like about Justin Fields that really stands out to me is the kick can stand into a pocket. He's not afraid. He's getting killed. He's getting tortured at the line of scrimmage. But not as bad as Zach Wilson. I told you guys, Zach Wilson's been sacked 19 times. Not tell us. Before the season, you were like, the Jets' offensive line is a top I, 10 line. Speedy, again, are you listening to what I said? I went back at what I said, and I said that this offensive line has been as, as bad as any offensive line we've seen. I've said this already. You keep telling me uh, what I said in the past. The offensive line's been horrendous. Okay, uh, it's the yeah, it's, it's one of the they're, they're probably the worst offensive line in football right now. So Zach Wilson's been sacked nineteen times. You're going to blame that on the kid? He's getting killed. I mean, I'm surprised he's not hurt yet. So well, he's also you know, in fairness, not for nothing. I think a lot of that is because. You know, to start the season, they have played a couple of tough teams. The Patriots' defense is no slouch, right? Like, 
I, I think they might have seen some of the hardest defenses of the, you know on their schedule right at the beginning part of the year, too. Yes, but that, that, that doesn't make any excuses. I don't want to hear about Mekhi Becton being out. This offensive line has been horrendous. And, and the fact that George Font only ranks, he's the only person that ranks in the top 50 percentile in all of football on, on that whole team, when you talk about some of the players that they've brought in, it, it's absolutely a joke. That offensive which, line is way, horrendous. Which, by the way, you talked about Jalen Smith earlier, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Dude, Pro Football Focus gave him a 69.5 ranking. Mm-hmm. Which which is the eleventh? You know, listen, it's eleventh. It's not like it's <laughs> one or two or whatever, but it's the eleventh highest ranking in all of football. There are thirty two teams, and there's at least four or five linebackers on every team. Right. He's eleventh out of how many linebackers is that? Two hundred? Yeah. If you're league? not counting, if you're not, if you're counting, if you're counting outside rushing linebackers too, pass rushing types. But even if you're just counting base all linebackers, linebackers whatever it doesn't matter. Running. All linebackers. He's eleventh. Okay. Yeah. Right. All linebackers. That's what it was. Right. So, I, yeah, that is kind of a surprise. Well, while I've been saying for how, how many years have I been saying to you, you can't pay everybody. Right. right. You can't have the highest paid guy at every position. Like, I get that. But him, mm. he's the guy, the 11th best linebacker in the league. Yeah. Uh, Snug says, I was disappointed that the Titans ruined the Jets perfect reverse season at this age Woody Johnson probably doesn't even remember who Rex Ryan was no, matter, no wonder the British don't care about American football that was not an impressive win by any stretch the Bengals yeah, play like the Jets for the first time we want, we want Europe to care and, and this is what we're exporting to them is this a joke Snug says the wife was chomping down corn this was so overblown how many NFL dudes this week went to the strip club and didn't tell their wives haha ha, speedy working blue Carl says Urban Cryer lies at all of his coaching stops. <laughs> Snug says Roethlisberger has his own seat reserved 24-7 at Promonte Brothers. <laughs> Carl says Speedy is less than six inches. Maybe on your screen, Carl. <laughs> Snug says you just hate the goat. <laughs> Georgia beating the Jets could happen. Can we say it, it would can, happen? Georgia's the best team in the land, my friend. I, I've been <laughs> saying this since August. Back me up, Errol. <laughs> you, you have. Snug says, can we bet on what week Nagy gets fired? Carl says Montgomery injury will hurt them. There is no way Fields the reason is the reason they've lost two games. I don't he's think hang- anybody blamed him. He's hanging on to the ball. Snug says Salah needs to get him quick throws. Carl says against the Browns, he had no extra protection on 90% of his dropbacks. And, of course, he hung on to it a couple of throws after being sacked seven times prior. And, and listen, I, I love Justin Fields. Anybody that knows me knows that I, I want this kid to succeed. I think. Oh, this is wild. Do you see what's going on right now? I'm watching the game right now. It's under review. Dude, they are going to call this kid out because he didn't. Dude, he passed second base by, like, three inches, and he didn't touch it on his way back, and they're going to call this kid out. Oh, wow. That's what happened? Wow, that's brutal. They better not, because this will be... Nobody's going to... Dude, he didn't... Dude, you have to touch it going back around. He didn't touch it going but He passed that base and didn't touch it going back. They're going to call this kid out. We've seen a couple noteworthy postseason base running where... Guys get picked off. Uh, Carlos Gomez, notably, to end the game, and uh, when he was with the Astros, Matt Weeders, when he was with the Nationals. I forget about it. The World Series, Red Sox, Cardinals. They picked off Colton Wong. That's right. Yeah, game. yeah, exactly. But again, if something happens like that, yeah, that's that's. Do really they have bad. to call this kid out? He didn't touch. The oh yeah, that, that's back. a rule. If that's the case, yeah, absolutely. That's just <laughs> that's a weird way to, <laughs> to lose a base runner like this. This is a some game. The this replay? Is... How ugly is that ball, dude? That's getting all the airtime. <laughs> 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 Terrible. 
horrible. <laughs> and I actually think that's Alex Cora holding the freaking microphone. <laughs> Tell me it's not. It looks like it. <laughs> Did somebody clone him yesterday? <laughs> He's cheating everywhere, Alex Cora, isn't he? Oh, well. He's deciding the NL now. So maybe, so maybe Alex Cora is not really the Red Sox manager and you got his stunt double. <laughs> um, we're living in a simulation, bro. Watch. Oh, watch. They're going to show the replay right here. He goes by it. Oh, they zoom out. What idiots. Yeah, I can't, you can't really tell. It looked like it was slightly off, but yeah, it was something you really Dude, they, they've got to call this kid out. Let's hear it. Here we go. He's safe. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> How did they not call him out? <laughs> Dude, he didn't touch that base going back. These people are ridiculous. <coughs> that was Let's such see. a good challenge. That well, here's here's the closer won. replay. It's not on there. <laughs> no. <laughs> a snug says, "Nice to, oh, nice maybe, to see." Maybe his left, maybe his left heel hits. Uh, yeah, I'd have maybe. to see the back replay. A snug says, "Nice to see Alex Cora found work." <laughs> yeah, but do you see? Do you see why Europe can't get on board with with our product? We're sending them the Jets and the Jaguars. No wonder they hate. Well, the Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> no, but uh, like a larger sample, they've sent no, the Raiders, they've sent the Jaguars. When the Rams were just an average <laughs> team, they went there a lot because they didn't know if they were staying in St. Louis. Dude, the, la- dude, the last two years that they've gone out there, I think both of those have been Jaguars. That was teams. a good grab right there, mm-hmm. the catch. The Giants were there one year against the Rams, I remember. And the I Bengals, the I think, the Bengals once, I think. Yeah, the Bengals were playing, I think, Washington one, one time. That, that game was a tie game, by the way, too. <laughs> So London got to witness a tie. <laughs> Which, by the way, like, that's another thing, right? You're exporting the Patriots back to them. What an insult to be like, ha-ha, we won the war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl says the Bears played the Raiders once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I, yeah, I think they were both terrible that year, too. I remember that. I think Chicago won. I think they were both terrible that year. I want to say 2015. Are you, are, but think about think about what we're exporting to them. We're not giving them our best. We're not giving them, you know, like, don't you think it would have been, you know, not that they want to go or whatever, but not that anyone wants to go. But don't you think Kyla Murray versus Matthew Stafford watching 700 yards passing would be a little more entertaining <laughs> than watching the Jets? There might be must, there might be just as many Rams fans in London as there are in L.A. Oh, you think I want to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and watch the Jets play? The Atlanta Falcons? Come on. Will you be wearing your Zach Wilson feet pajamas? I, first of all, I don't, I, don't have, I, I don't have a jersey. I don't have anything with Zach Wilson's name on it, and I'm not Good. buying. I'm not probably buying. won't be there long. I, that's, I don't believe that. I, I think he'll be there longer than Hawaiian Tebow is on South Beach, though. <laughs> Are you? Can we all admit he's awful now, by the way? Who? Hawaiian Tebow. I, I, I never liked Tua. I was never a big Tua fan. Never. You know who's a really big. He's going to be shit before you, you, all of this. You know who was a really big Tua fan? And, and two guys that have been really Mark. big Mark and Mr. Hickey. Mr. Hickey still loves him. He's an idiot. He wasn't crazy about him out of the draft, though. That's what's weird. But he, he kind of bought into it a little more in the, the last part of the season. Yeah, I don't – I don't like, I literally don't get it, right? Because, like, here, here's honestly the thing for me, right? Uh, the Jets aren't looking to move on. And I get it. Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback, right? Top five, top seven, whatever it is. I think you top the three. Jets aren't, the Jets aren't looking to move on from 
Zach Wilson no. to get the guaranteed top, right? The the Bengals aren't looking to move on from Joe Burrow to get no. a guaranteed top, right? The Patriots aren't looking to move on from Mac Jones to get a guarantee. Why? Why? This guy, because this guy has 22 rape cases against him, right? Mm-hmm. And it should tell you everything you need to know that if you have a remotely competent quarterback, no one's taking on that kind of baggage. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins are going, fuck, man, Hawaiian Tebow stinks. <laughs> Get me the rapist. Get me the rapist. <laughs> You want to know something? That's where I think he's going because that's where he wants to go. He wants to go to Miami, and I, I think one way or another, that's where he's going to head. But no one. But that. But that's honestly the thing for me. Think about the baggage that's coming with that and the PR nightmare that it is. They don't care. So you wouldn't want to be moving on from anyone remotely competent to take that on, and that's how you know Tua stinks. <laughs> Snark says, I think the Brits would be equally excited if we sent Hansen over to perform for free. <laughs> Same empty stadium. <laughs> Carl says, back-to-back World War champs. And Snark says, didn't Tua have a restraining order on Mark after the national <laughs> championship? Oh, my God. This is, I mean, this is a thing with him, though, too, right? Because here we, go, here we go again with another failed Alabama quarterback. And he's going to be like, oh, they put so many good ones in the league. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> Well, I thought it was funny when he said that. <laughs> when he said that Alabama's had some good ones, I said, "Who? Joe Namath?" <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. He he folded like a cheap lawn chair when I mentioned Brody Croyle. <laughs> That's you, you realize Brody Croyle's probably you know other than Namath, which was sixty years ago, right? Uh, Brody Croyle's the most successful guy out of Alabama. <laughs> Probably. I mean, well, a let's couple what average seasons with the Greg Chiefs? McElroy? Yeah. <laughs> Greg McElroy. Greg McElroy. Give me a break. Oh my right? God. Oh. Two is failing. Right? Yeah. Um, nobody. AJ. Hey, listen, AJ McCarron. Woo. <laughs> AJ Love McCarron. to be third string behind Trubisky and Fields, <laughs> or not Fields. Uh, Josh Allen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not putting anyone in the league. It's, Their I, best shot of a remotely competent quarterback is Jalen Hurts, and I'm not sure that's going well either. No, no. he's played well. Jalen Hurts has played well. You say whatever you want about him. he's played bad, but I don't think he's played all that great either. No, no you're he's absolutely flashy. right. He's nothing special yeah. beyond that. Well, nothing flashy. 387 yards last week and a couple of touchdowns against a pretty, I know not a great defense, but. I mean, you just heard Russell give you the stats on the Chiefs defense, by the way, yeah. which I think are a little misleading too because. If you go back to the year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. that defense got better as the season went on and into the playoffs. They got really, really good. They weren't. So they I weren't this bad though in the beginning of the tough. season. They weren't this bad though. They were, they're looking at least the Chiefs at the beginning of that season had a like they had a competent enough pass defense and they were bad against the run and bad against tight ends. I mean, they were pretty bad, dude. They were they, pretty they bad were bad, but I, I'm saying they were at least competent in some bad. areas. That's, why, that's the year they went and traded for Honey Badger. That's why they went and got him. Well, they, they got him as a free agent because they were terrible in 2018, that defense was really bad. Yeah, that one all around was like, I think their best stat was like 21st or something, and that was that was egregiously bad. But 2019, they also got Brashaw Breeland too. They had Kendall Fuller already, and they, they got a little more with the pass rush depth that obviously changing defensive coordinators making a difference too. Not that Steve Spagnuolo has done well this year with it, but he was a lot better of an upgrade over Bob Sutton when he did in 2018. <laughs> I realize we're going on football, but Errol, how would you feel right now mm-hmm. if the New York Yankees won 106 baseball games and they were about to lose to a team that 
just got in because they won 14 games in a row. It sounds, it sounds Yankee-esque. <laughs> it is also very Dodger-esque to lose the Cardinals in, a, in, a, in the playoffs by the way, By the way, Jalen Hurts is having a really good season. Completion percentage. He's not bad. He's not bad no, no, I'm just not, saying. I don't I'm, think he's great either. No, I, I don't think he's great, but you can win with Jalen Hurts. 66% uh, completion percentage, almost 1,200 yards, a, a, uh, seven touchdowns, to, two interceptions. I mean, that's pretty good. that's a pretty good season right now. For for no, he's he's playing all right. Like yeah. I don't hate. I don't hate. Who would have thought doing, that Jalen Hurts was going to play as well as he has? Nobody. Well, he needed to go and learn football uh, and how to play quarterback at Oklahoma. That's what's gotten him through. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and then a little bit of that has now rubbed off on Jalen Hurts. He I agree with Alabama. you. Alabama. Dumpster fire. <laughs> I agree with you, but I, I, I've been very impressed with Jalen Hurts. I really have, and nobody could say anything bad about him. Because Think about how funny this is going to be that Jalen Hurts is going to last longer in the league than, than the kid who took his job in college. <laughs> well, come on. Did any, does anybody think that uh, Tua was going to be a good NFL quarterback? And the only Dude, they were they were tanking for Tua for two years. I know. If you remember this? My this obsession with Miami went on for two years with him. Well, that was Mike Francesa who liked to uh, spit it out and tell everybody that this Tua kid is going to be sensational. You'll see. You'll see. I remember when Mike he's was terrible. There. He's an injury waiting to happen. That's uh, what he is. He's uh, an injury waiting. To he's he's done. His career's over with Miami. I mean, seriously. I don't. I don't. If he plays another game this year, I'll be surprised. Carl says Urban Meyer to USC can get his hands on a private school next. And Snug says I heard Mark creeps the team out because he tries to book interviews in the showers. <laughs> I mean, I like Mark. I hope he's doing well. But his he has listen, man. He has an unhealthy obsession with Alabama football and. It, he, he is to Alabama football what Beav is to the Cowboys. It's just unrealistic what he says. Here's what I will say about the Cowboys. The Cowboys are playing good football. Say yeah. whatever you listen, want. Listen, listen. this is finally the one year that we yes. legitimately talk yes. about them. All those other times, you guys are just talking nonsense because right. they were a dumpster buyer. You're absolutely right. But they're having a good season, and, and they're playing they good football. They are having a good season. They're, they're fairly impressive. Yeah, they right. have been. They have been. I, this I, I, is finally a year where they're a playoff contender. Yes. And they're like a legit one, and beat can be excited now, right? Because they're actually a legitimate He's team. really not All that the- excited. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. He should well, yeah, because we've seen it. Oh, here we go again. They're going to collapse in December. They're going <laughs> to still lose a playoff game. Like 2016, they went 13-3. and three. Oh, nope, still lost in the first round of the well, Packers. One of the, the most impressive things is Dak Prescott. He's been sensational. He really has been. He's been pretty good. Yeah, he's been. I actually don't think. I actually don't think he's the most impressive thing about that team. No, this year it's their defense. I would. I know. I would say it's Cedric Wilson. You think Michael Gallup no. goes down, and Cedric Wilson has stepped right up and become a big receiver. Mm. Really, you think it's he's Cedric played terrific? Yeah, he's had a couple touchdowns already. Good, good deep routes too that he's had. I've, I've seen him make tough catches too. He's not really it's not like your conventional slot. All right, I'm going to catch five yard passes type. But of this guy is what either. but this yeah. is what good teams do is they have a no name nobody end of the bench dude come in and step up and make big plays. And I think Cedric will listen. Michael Parsons got drafted where he got drafted, right? Mm-hmm. So there's expectations there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very high on Michael Parsons, but that wasn't because of his on-field talent, right, right, right. That that was an off-field kind of thing. He's a great player. There's a, I mean, when you get a guy like Cedric Wilson to step up, I mean, did you even know his name before three weeks ago? I didn't even know who he was. 
no one knew I thought I was a special teams guy. <laughs> if I told you you if I told you who Cedric Wilson was, you'd be like, is that the dude that gave me my fries with my fast food order? <laughs> Right? That's what you would have said. You'd been like, who, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was just a special teams guy at first. And I'm like, How, what is this guy doing getting all these catches awesome, from? Dude, awesome receiver. And listen, that's what they need because everyone's on Cooper. Everyone's on CD Lamb. Like and Wilson stepped up, man. The other guy that's played well, too, is their tight end, Schultz. He's looked nice, too. They've looked Both really good. Jarwin yeah. and Schultz are catching yeah. passes. Yeah, and, Which and, Mike McCarthy's never really a tight end guy. So. No. I've been very – and it's Zeke. Zeke had a good week last week, too. Well, I think he's finally been playing better, but I actually think that's not because he wants to play better. No, it's really thought he was losing his job to Tony Pollard. That and I think the offense is just opening up so many lanes for him. And I I think Dak Prescott has a lot to do with it. And they're only going to get better once Lyle Collins comes back after skipping drug testing. (laughs) Yeah, now he's now he's got a whole nother appeal or something. Tell, tell me, there, like, name another violation that's more Dallas Cowboys than trying to pay off the drug testing guy. Oh my God. Now the question is, who is the drug te- drug drug testing guy? Is it Nate Newton? <laughs> Yo, mofo, I'm about to fail. How about five grand? <coughs> I, I think it's hilarious. I, I, just... I mean, name a name a more Cowboys violation than not being able to pass. Dude, Michael Irvin is somewhere smiling. <laughs> he's, he's smiling right to the bank. Maybe he's evolved. <laughs> I probably is. He probably he's buying them the drugs. <laughs> so, so their offensive line is going to get better if we can get, uh, you know, Lyle Collins to be off the snack for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Stuck says Jalen Hurts and I used to light bags of poop on fire on Mark's porch every Sunday night. <laughs> is Mark the beeve of the South or is, or is beeve the Mark of the North? Either way, those two were destined to marry to prevent the world from enduring baby beeves and marks. Does the beeve cut every sandwich he makes in the shape of the cowboy's star? And then Speedy, uh, Carl says, Speedy isn't McCar- says McCarthy isn't really a tight end guy. Speedy knows about all of guys' tight ends. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Carl. Dude, tell me, tell me like, that we shouldn't like, just uh, get a Jalen Hurts cameo from Mark that's like, dude, stop liking me because I don't like you. <laughs> you know? We should get all the old Alabama players to make those cameos that are just like, Mark, no one likes you. <laughs> Alabama quarterback college reunion twisted to not liking Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Every Alabama, we can, Alabama player we can find on cameo, we should do that. <laughs> He'd be heartbroken. <laughs> well, he definitely yeah. has the the backdrop for the Alabama. Maybe like that six year old kid who was idle told him no to an autograph. It just breaks his heart, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Crushing defense. Are, are, are you listening to this for 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 Andrew uh, Wiggins? Come to first of all, Steve Kerr comes out the other day and he says Andrew Wiggins gets the vaccination, so now that's all gone. And then Kyrie Irving comes out and says, "What, what does that mean? Does does that does that mean that I'm going to do it?" He's he's there's no way in hell. And then Kevin Durant comes out and says, "Well, we expect him to be in and play for every single game this year. How do you expect it when he's not going to?" get the vaccination maybe he needs a stunt double like alex cora i and mean listen, seriously not for nothing you know i i know your previous position on it but like dude you get so much more sick if you're not vaccinated I've, who wants to take that chance i, I will admit we to just that. witnessed it i barely got any symptoms i just had coughing and sneezing and errol got a lot more <laughs> i got i got bad I, I was really bad 
Dude, my old hockey coach, I told you this when I called you to find out how you do. My old hockey coach, in a coma for 28 days. Wow. Yeah, I was bad. I, I wasn't as bad as that, but I was. I had almost every single symptom except the sore throat. I was really... Well, he's really, also older than you. Yeah, Alex. sure. We're yeah. talking about a 55-year-old guy. But like, dude, people are... What? I don't understand the, the whole thing with the vaccine, man. Like, get it, dude. Well, I already no said... No one's dying from the vaccine. People are dying from the disease. Well, I so why it, take the chance? Well, after after what I dealt with, I, I what did, Speedy? What did I tell you today? Yeah, you told me you dealt with pretty much every symptom imaginable. And when you called me on Thursday, I must have heard at least eight different symptoms. Yeah, I was really sick, and I, I can't tell you guys. I wanted to die. I, I absolutely wanted to die. Uh, still, I don't have my scent of smell or my. I'm starting to get my taste back. Um, but I will say well, the this. the smell thing's probably good for when you work with Tyler, right? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he smells like cat piss. <laughs> well, I told Tyler, you better get it tested. It has to come up negative before you come back because I'm not sitting in the studio with you again knowing <laughs> that I have to, after getting, getting sick as bad as I did. But I told Speedy today that I'm, I'm – and I told my friend that I'm getting vaccinated. You know? It's just so funny to me, right? Like this is what's so hilarious to me is like it takes like – a virtual near-death experience for people to all of a sudden exercise common sense. Well, the fact is, is that when I, I was planning to do it, but after getting my surgery, because I, you know, with where I work at the hospital, I, I have to get it. Um, but I, I was going to get it, but um, you know, I, I was told by my doctor that I needed to heal before I do something like that because <laughs> my body's already weak. And then when I got COVID, I never. I, I, I've been around it since the beginning. I, I've been, you know, in the heart of it, and I never caught it. And then, obviously, I'm never around, or I wasn't around anybody, and I get sick. So who would have thought that? I, I mean, nobody. But uh, what Kyrie Irving is doing, and, and, and I'm not surprised. Kyrie, all the places you go, though, right? you go and get a sandwich somewhere yeah. or stop and get gas, so you're going to go in and No, uh, like, uh, you, Jeff, I couldn't, I couldn't, Jeff, I couldn't walk. The only place no, no, no. I know when you have the COVID, right? yeah, but yeah, right. But, but before that, you'd drive around and go places. You oh, yeah, but I, I and I never got it, I, <laughs> I never got it. And then all of a sudden, when I'm not around anybody, I get it. So, who would have thought that? It, it, it's weird. It, it's it, and when I got sick, then Speedy got sick, then Tyler got sick, then and and, and ever it was like a wildfire. It, who would have thought that? And I, I, I will say this I, I, I would not wish it upon anybody. And anybody that's had COVID or didn't have it as bad, I had it as bad as anybody can have it. I, I, I still don't even have – I don't even have an appetite. I don't even want to eat. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel. Like t- today was the first time I actually had pizza, okay? And, but when I ate it, I didn't even taste it. So wow. it, 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 could you imagine knowing that you're eating something that you really, really like and you can't even enjoy it? That's brutal. You know, it, it's, it's terrible. Felt that way about one of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> but I, I think it's so funny that Kyrie Irving's behind it. I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I just think it's really, really funny. But that's why I think these athletes are actual morons, by the way, because, dude, you, you exercise for a living, right? That's what it is. It's mm-hmm. a physical activity. You're running. You're doing all that kind of stuff. Why would you want to damage your lungs and take that, like, away? Like, it messes up your lungs, dude. And whoever thought, by the way, this is the greatest thing ever, that Cole Beasley would go full WWE heel and turn on Bills fans because they booed him because <laughs> he wouldn't get the vaccine. 
And he gets his, didn't he get suspended for three games or I something? Don't think so. oh, they haven't suspended. I'm very surprised they didn't suspend him. But they already no, said but that. Like, but like, the, listen, you just had it, right? Yes. And you were exhausted and Terrible. wore down and beat down. Still. Now, like, Still. right. And so if you run and jump and do all of that for a living, why would you want to take the chance? Yeah. Hmm. You're right. Don't you think that's stupidity? Well, right I, I, I'll admit to because my friend, because when, when my friend, and it's so weird, and he watches so many YouTube things and stuff like that, and the guy, one of the guys that created the uh, created the uh, serum, the vaccine, vaccine says not to take it. So he kept telling me, you know, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Yeah, and I can watch something over and over again, but the fact is, Speedy got the vaccination. He got no symptoms. I got. I didn't get the vaccination, and I got deathly dude, sick. Dude, listen, <clears throat> it's going to get into a whole political thing, but it's all misinformation from one side of the country. Yeah, like there's proven stats that when you get the vaccine, dude, ninety-two percent of the people that are in hospitals right now, right, mm-hmm. are unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. That's all of them, almost. So why would you? Why wouldn't you want to take it? Snuck says, "I'm in for. I'd pay for a cameo. Who would be more excited? Beef gets a cameo from Dak Prescott, or Mark gets a cameo from Tua." Carl says, "I know it is a preseason and a game against the Cavs, but the Bulls were throwing <laughs> alley oops and slams all over the court." Snuck says, "The Bulls looked really good. The Knicks looked really good. Knicks oh, looked preseason. Stop. I know, but I'm just saying uh, both, Snug- they both look good." Snug. My dog was nowhere near me while I had the symptoms. That We made sure to keep our distance. Don't worry. <laughs> Carl says, Tyler truly had his head up his ass. And Stuck <laughs> says, I like Evander Kane. It's being alleged that he turned in a fake COVID card. Yes, I saw I heard and read about that. I'm so not that surprised, but if that's true, he should go to jail. Because didn't they say that if you throw <laughs> that, that the state, you know, certain states will actually throw you into jail if you if you... Uh, given a, a you're fake falsifying life. medical records, you're yep, stealing right. someone's medical records. That's how you're doing that. So yep. you're falsifying. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's just nuts to me, though, right? Like, just think about how sick people are getting, and there's it's preventable. Yep. Right. No, I was. And then, I, like and then I said, half I was of the people in this country sick. are like, "Nah, let me take my chance because you guys are dumb." I was definitely like, sick. I, 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 I'm telling you guys. <clears throat> I'm telling you. I don't wish. And by the way, shout out to Ben. Who's right now in the hospital? Um, he's uh, dealing with kidney stones and stuff like that. Hopefully, he has the vaccination. Oof. Yeah. So I, I know. I hope they're taking him out by surgery because it's like giving birth, pissing those things out. Yeah, my brother. Oh, my brother just had uh, had a, a huge one about the size of a golf ball taken out of his kidney. Wow. It, it, he he went through the whole surgery thing. He was, and and my brother was going through so much pain. He had a catheter in his. In his pee pee hole for like fucking almost a month. It's terrible. Wow. It, it, it but this is, is why, like, the Kyrie thing, you know, it's like Colby, the Cole Beasley thing, the Kyrie thing. Like, like what is wrong with these people? Yeah. I, I would Why would you, why would you want to take the chance and get really sick when, you're, when your business is athleticism and this is going to damage your lungs? Yep. And I, I, I will say this. Wait, what, what, does everyone want to pay $30 million a year to see Kyrie Irving wheeze up the floor? <laughs> I don't sleep at all for seven days. I had no sleep, no appetite. Uh, waking up to, to, to almost so – I look like it came out of the shower. That's Did how bad I get the COVID? Yeah, he got it. Yeah, that's why he's, oh, he's see, not the, here. We don't see, know the if the no appetite thing would probably be good for him. 
See, that, see, once Kyrie Irving, if he does end up somehow playing, maybe, maybe his symptoms will realize, maybe then he'll think the earth is round again. Oh, God, please. But no, this is, this he is needs to it get takes. it to you understand. Know, like this, but this, right, this is what it takes for the stupid people of the world. Like, they need to get burned by the fire to realize it's hot. He needs to get it to understand. And, I, and, and it wasn't that I would – when I got it, I, I, always, I was thinking, you know what, I need to get it before I get it. The whole point was is I was told by my doctor before I had my hip surgery not to, not to get it until I heal because, uh, you know, because you don't know how your body's going to react to it. So I was waiting because I have a certain amount of time to, to heal. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Being that I had COVID when I'm healing from my, my hip surgery, it even weakened my body even my body even more. And I, I mean, I mean, vaccines work. Like this is like the thing: vaccines work, and we need to be honest about this. Yeah, it's disinformation from a group of people in this country, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only coming from one group of people in this country, mm-hmm. and they're wrong. I don't even care. I, political liberal. I don't give a shit what you are. Right, but it's affecting everything, yeah. right? You care about sports, and now Kyrie's not going to get it. He's going to get sick. Something's going to happen. Cole Beasley's attacking fans. Why? Because they booed him. Big deal. It's their right to boo. They didn't throw anything at you. They're not New York. They're not, you know, people in New York City that like to throw things at people. <laughs> yeah. And, and listen, that's – and I think every athlete, you're making millions and millions of dollars if – if you're well, that's the other piece of this, right? You're making so much money. Why would you want to like miss time doing that? You're making so much money. Like, why screw that up? Yep. And and by the way, with Andrew Wiggins, he yeah. wasn't going to be able to play for Golden State unless he got right. right. He was going to miss mm-hmm. half the games because he wouldn't be allowed to play in California and lose nine point and lose nine point six million dollars. Errol, if I offered you nine point six million dollars, would you have taken a shot? Earlier? I'll, I'll let you shoot me in both my ass cheeks. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. This is what I'm saying. Is like it doesn't make you know the political aspect of this aside. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense financially not to get it. It makes no sense. And fourteen hundred people uh, were fired from Northwell uh, Hospital because they wouldn't take it. Wow, fourteen hundred I mean, people. That they should be fired. It's, it's and, and that's why there's a, so many jobs a, available. You work at a hospital with sick people, and you could get them sick. That's an actual health risk. And, and what's you're, funny? You're, you work in that industry to help people, not to make them sick. But so, here's yeah, the they, thing: they what the, what makes it even more silly is 92 percent of the people in the hospital don't have the vaccine. <laughs> right, but they're they're already sick. But like, if you if I if I fell down and broke my leg. You know, I got to go to a hospital for a broken leg, right? I'm not just going to be like, oh, I'm going to walk that off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like you got – now I got to go to the hospital and have COVID idiots coughing on me? Get out of here. <laughs> I just think it's it, – it, you want to know something? I, I think it's a misunderstanding of what the vaccination – and then I was told today from one of my friends that be, I have to wait three months before I get the vaccination. I was like, I can't wait three it's months. Not a, it's not a misunderstanding. There's active disinformation out there because is anyone dying for – Show me someone that's died from the vaccine. Anybody? <coughs> no, sir. <coughs> yes. There has been well, people that died. Well, no, how no, many? Maybe a few, but that's because maybe they're allergic. Yeah, so, allergic so, right, reaction. So, right, yeah. so so maybe a few. Are yeah. we talking 10? Yeah, very – a few. I, I, talking, I, I'm talking. talking I'm talking. Probably thousand yeah. people have died in this country. Millions. Across I would the say. World I would say a, a little bit more than a hundred have died from some kind of right. So yeah. so. 
very you're, little. You're telling, very little. You're telling me it's point oh oh one percent chance of dying from the fire. Not you even. Know, like, not even. Not e yeah. right. Not even. And there's millions of people dying from COVID, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, no, nah, I still don't want to do this. Morons, dude. Morons. This is what we're dealing with. The stupid people of the universe, which is what Kyrie is. Doesn't <laughs> want a vaccine because it be, he also thinks the, the Earth is flat. Yeah, Ky does Kyrie Irving deserve to be in the universe because <laughs> he doesn't know what astronomy looks like? <laughs> dude, he might be the one person dumber than Tyler. <laughs> Well, Tyler's still not going to get the vaccination. It doesn't matter yeah, what he gets. <laughs> I he's asked got him. Comorbidities. You see how fat he is? <laughs> he's lucky that thing didn't wipe him out. <laughs> Although it should be a short stint with him and COVID. No one else wants to be around him. Why would COVID? <laughs> All he has to do is talk to it. He'll annoy it out of his own body. Well, I, you would think that now that he got it, he, he would get it. I mean, because I, I, it, it's after learning what it could do to you and, and me dealing with what I dealt with. Right. You're going to have natural antibodies now, but once those wear off, you're going to want to get the vaccine, dude. I, I'm going to get it before it even wears off because I, I, I have to get it, one. And number two, I don't want to deal with this. I, would, I, I don't want to go through this again. Yeah, dude, it's just, it's unbelievable, man. It's just, who, I, I, whatever, man. I, it's yeah, baffling I, to me people want to take that chance. I just think it's funny how Kyrie, and then Kevin Durant speaks. I, but Speedy, pick up what Kevin Durant says, because I, I had it on Facebook. I thought it was really, really funny on what he said. Kevin Durant, for anybody that know him and follow him on social media, he's... He he's like naturally stupid funny and, and and what he says about Kyrie when they asked him, uh, do you think Kyrie's gonna play this year? I thought it was really, really funny. <laughs> so I you, you would think that he will. Uh, I I mean he barely played in the playoffs last year because he can't stay healthy, but uh you know, he he's too busy hanging out on these these coach buses and hanging out and partying, you know? These He's also buses. too busy Twitch streaming. <laughs> but I, I, I think, I, I think the Nets are like the, the funniest organization. They, they, they just. I think it's funny. I, I just think they're a funny, very, very, very funny organization. And I think they have. These... I mean, that's fine. They can be funny all they want, but we'll see if they're laughing. And they get knocked out of the playoffs again. I think they will. I, I, I don't. I, you look at the Eastern Conference, and the Eastern Conference has gotten better. I mean, let's be honest. It's just gotten better, and you look. I don't at think it's gotten bad at all. There's some good teams in there. No, I think um, Miami's better this year. The Knicks are going to be better this year. I mean, Brooklyn should be better when they're all healthy. None of them were healthy last year. Yeah, but I right. Philly's yeah. going to be much better once they trade that cancer <laughs> Ben Simmons. <laughs> Wherever he that gets malignant traded, malignant tumor. <laughs> malignant tumor. Did you find anything? That's what he is. All I found was, I don't know how funny this one was, but I'm envisioning Kyrie being a part of the team. Maybe I'm just naive. That's, that, that was the one. Oh, that's, that's the that's fun. That's how I feel. I, but I think everybody has confidence in themselves, in our group, that if we keep building, we could do something special. No, no, but say, read it again. Read, read I'm envisioning Kyrie being a part of our team, Durant said Wednesday via ESPN. Maybe I'm just naive, but that is how I feel. I think <laughs> Maybe that is naive, but that's the way I feel. But I think yeah, just he's thinking. saying that because he's under contract. He knows he's going to be 
beyond that. Well, I think everybody here has confidence themselves in their groups that if we could build, keep building, we could do something special. Yeah, maybe you have to build a medical center for Kyrie. If Kyrie doesn't get the shot, he's going to miss 40 games this year, and he's going to miss every single home game in the playoffs. And you know Kyrie, he's not like Andrew Wiggins. If he, sticks, if he wants to do something, he's going to stick with it. So you know Kyrie Irving's not getting the shot. So good I luck. I just want to see him get traded to like the Pistons, and I want to see him just go to the like be irrelevant in the worst market on the worst team, and just send them to nowhere. <laughs> so we don't even have. A, I mean, Kyrie, his whole act is so. It, I'm so over it, dude. Everywhere he goes, it's this stupid act he, he puts you're on. You're absolutely right. Just, special player. He's a special player. But the, he, it's an act. His talent is undeniable, yes. but he's he's an actual clown. He, 110% clown. He, I think he's the biggest clown in the NBA. You know, I, 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 oh, I no, that's Ben Simmons. No, 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 no. <laughs> ben Simmons got the shot, and Ben Simmons doesn't go out in public and say the things that he says. Ben Simmons got that shot, but he still has to work on his own. Yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't say the things he says, but he also doesn't, he shows he doesn't care. He cares more about dating a Jenner and streaming on Twitch than he does his... his $35 million NBA contract. <laughs> Let me play video games because that's super important. <laughs> oh, man. That's what he's doing. <laughs> you make it seem like I, like that isn't what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I just think that he's not dating a Jenna anymore. He's not with them anymore. I mean, well, whatever. Yeah, but he was. Just stay with away her. from that whole family. They kill every NBA player. I know, and and now she's uh, she's actually with um, what's his name again from Phoenix, Devin so. Booker. But Devin Booker. That's didn't hurt Devin Booker so far. No, so, that's so gonna far. be a down. That's gonna be a down season this year. You watch. Oh, she's been with him. She's been with him all season, and he's had a good season. So I, that's I, why they didn't win. That probably I mean, is. They went to the finals where nobody expected him. So that's remember so how good Humphreys. Chris Humphreys was, and then he had that fifty-four day stretch. Chris Humphreys was never as good as Devin Booker, though. And and by the way, uh, Kim, uh, Kim is nowhere what Kendall is. Kendall is beautiful, so and she's actually Who natural. Cares? There's she's hot chicks natural. everywhere, bro. That's true. Come to Florida; they grow on trees here. There's hot chicks everywhere you look. <laughs> it's not like Long Island with all those swamp donkeys living up there. Don't tell Urban donkeys. <laughs> that was Ohio, though, Speedy. I know, but and don't, don't give him an incentive. Was, who who knows? Maybe he did it in Florida, too, for all we know. And, and not for nothing, that was one cute girl you, in the picture. Did you, you see her ugly friend? Gross. <laughs> Typical Ohio girl. Did you... Uh... Do you think uh, Tyler can get one of those uh, you know, those monkeys down there? No, dude, he's a cuck. <laughs> maybe, Tyler's maybe. definitely a beta in every relationship he'll ever be in. He's an absolute beta. Why do you think that? Oh, dude, he's just too weak. <laughs> too weak. Carl says, Jesus, conform, conformity, Tyler. Uh, if Jansen puts these pitches in the zone, he will get touched up. Snug says, Chris Humphreys, what happened to that guy? I heard he's an assistant manager at Chipotle. <laughs> and welcome to Long Island, home of the best swamp donkeys. Dude, that, you, think that's, you think that's like a funny joke, dude? Like, you've seen what happened to Vin Baker, right? Oh, I met Fink Baker. It's such a funny story. I, me and uh, me and Mikey. Nothing C, about that story is funny, but no, no. Me and Mikey C were uh, we we every year we traveled out to Connecticut to promote uh, our show, and we went to we went to um, Starbucks because Mikey was, yeah. always gets his Starbucks. So we yep. go in and we're we're standing. I'm like, 
Mike, that's Vin Baker. And he was like, and he was telling me, he's like, that's not Vin. Ba-. I said, like, I'm telling you that's Vin Baker. I'm going to walk up to him and I'm going to tell him to step outside so we can get a picture with him. And I was like, are you Vin Baker? And he's like, he's like, yeah, what's up, man? How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, five-time All-Star in the NBA, blah, 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 blah. He's like, yeah, you know who I am. Manager at Starbucks. This manager at Starbucks. He came out. He took a picture. I have a picture of me, Mikey C. The guy's a fucking giant. He's the one that puts the caramel in the macchiatos. (laughs) Right over there in between uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island. He he runs. uh, Yeah, it's in Stonington. Yeah. And it was so funny because Mike still kept he kept telling me he's like that's not Vin Baker. I said, dude, that's Vin Baker. I guarantee you that's right. So when people are like, oh, this dude manages a Chipotle, there's people out there doing it. Yep, and he made millions of dollars. He made over thirty eight million dollars as an NBA player, and he's Uh, broke. I think it was more. I think it was over fifty. Was it? I think it was thirty eight. But he was he was broke, dead broke. And he, and he took over uh, as a manager at Starbucks. And I, I remember it because Mike kept telling me, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not, I said, dude, I know what Vin Baker looks like. That is Vin Baker. And then I had to pull him out. I walked right up to him. I said, are you Vin Baker? He said, come outside. My partner wants to meet you. And, it, and I, I remember he was standing right there. He's like, tell him, Vin, tell him, tell him that you're Vin Baker. And he was Oh my God! You should have saw Mikey C. He was like, he's like, hey. he's like, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I was like, I don't, don't ever question me when I tell you it's Vin Baker. It's actually even a and lot he's more. The nicest guy now. Ninety-seven million three hundred ninety thousand nice. eight hundred ninety-four were his career earnings. How much? Ninety-seven million three hundred ninety thousand eight hundred ninety-four dollars. There you go. Yeah, but that's not all of his money, though. Yeah, because he's got to he pay his ta- agent. You got to pay taxes, and then you throw on top of that. It's six percent to your agent for negotiating the contract. Yeah, he. I think he made. You know, he made a lot of money, and he went broke because. And he. And he. And I remember. I said. I. I never asked him, but. Oh. He, what? What happened? Somebody get hit? Oh, dude! This dude missed the the, the, the ground rule double by about a foot. Huh. That would have been the lead. Yep. Even Mookie couldn't run it down, and he's the fastest human alive. <laughs> Mook the book. Dude, he's dude. Mookie Betts is amazing, bro. Look at the speed on the, the grounds crew guys. Imagine being five foot seven and being as athletic as he is. That's unbelievable. No, Mookie Betts is a good player, man. He's a good player. Great player. Five yeah. gold gloves. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, he's a great player, dude. Anyways, Jeff, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for calling, bud. Oh, always a pleasure to talk to you about. The wonderful New York Yankees. I was super impressed with how they played last night. Well, thank you. Wonderful baseball. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, losers. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as always, wonderful and uh, talented at the same time. <laughs> well, that's it for our show. Uh, what do we got tomorrow, Speed? All right, we got two guests again tomorrow, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be talking to Washington fo- former Washington football team and Lions offensive linemen and current Michigan State or Michigan University of Michigan radio podcast host and broadcaster John Jansen. He'll be on at 9.30. And at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be talking to fantasy scouts, dynasty football writer, and co-host of the 49er-verse podcast, Matt Daniel. Oh, that'll be fun. I can't wait to hear him. You better tell one of our interns. You go tell uh, uh, Jeffrey that we're going to have uh, yeah. one of his 49er Try guys. to figure out why... 
one of their wide receivers is letting me down in two of my fantasy leagues. Well, that would be good. That <laughs> would be interesting. Their tight end isn't helping either. But <laughs> we I should have I don't have him this year. We'll, we'll have Lyle call the show. Lyle's going to be joining us. I'm sure that'll be interesting and funny. And uh, we'll have Tyler back. So uh, that'll be interesting, to say the least. So Tyler, Lyle, what a show tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Can't wait. I'm sure we'll have Jeff call in. And uh, ransack Tyler after uh, finding out that he had uh, COVID and he won't get the COVID shot. So I'm sure Jeff will call in and attack uh, the great Tyler. <laughs> the mothball. Oh, man. And of course, Snug Comments, hooray, Lyle. <laughs> of course he is. Oh, man. Anyways, uh, I want to thank, uh, obviously, um, Award-winning SB Nation NFL and college football writer Jason Hirshhorn for joining us at 9. And uh, obviously the founder of ProFootballGuru.com, Russell Baxter, for joining us at 10. They were both really, really good uh, interviews and both gave us some good, good information. And uh, thank you for, for both of them for joining us. Jeff, thank you for calling. All the fans that tune in and listen to our show, uh, we are back, guys. So uh, we will be doing our shows. Uh, hopefully COVID will be behind us. And uh, more great, uh, obviously, anticipated sports radio on our network with the Sports Loudmouth. So definitely stay tuned tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.